I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Are you fucking it high? Was- yes, I am! Asshole face man! You are my podcast. My only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh, talking. my God. It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. <laughs> I got a whole folder full of dick pics, okay? Are you interested? I know you are because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone boy and Phoenix. I don't know phone boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. Oh, they're horrible. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <clears throat> Bullshit. Now with twice the whores. The offensive has begun. Yes, it has. And uh, welcome to uh, episode 133 of The Lotus Effect, which we've provisionally titled Balls Deep in Balagon. I will explain what that is a little later, but, you know, it could change. Uh, the show, we, we, we do all kinds of weird shit comes out of our mouths, and I should probably have the pad to write down the, 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 some of that weird shit that comes out of our mouths. But, uh, you know, the, the content's made up. The show doesn't matter. I don't know. Fuck it. I'm, I'm phone boy. Um, let's see if I can find my thing. There we go. Be the lazy fucking cunt. Yeah, you are a lazy fucking cunt. And I'm Phoenix. Bestiality at its finest. <laughs> All righty. Well, yes, uh, as you can see, we are... Uh, breaking you know, the balls. Breaking the balls. balls. It, it's you start- know I don't think you're lazy. You're one of the hardest working individuals out there. And that's why this show gets done week after week. So we should probably get onto it like this. Yeah, something like that. What is this, a freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. I think I'm going to be sick. Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing... I just had an orgasm. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, so the Lotus affects everyone differently. So however, Apparently that's how it's affecting him today. Um, <laughs> it did affect me. Um, however, and wherever the Lotus is affecting you, thank you for your courage and for propagating the model of the, of the podfather himself. Uh, we, and now, if you're new to the No Agenda family, and because we uh, we do uh, run outside of those circles, and we do, we, do, and we do invite some folks in, so you probably don't know what the value for value model works. So let's explain how it works. No, I won't say that I... Um, understand everything, but it was uh, certainly uh, different, and oh, uh, yes, well, well worth a dollar. 
Yeah, so we are what we call a value for value podcast, and that means that uh, um, yeah, if assuming you find some value in what we do, and we think it's we think it's entertaining, and a few of you think it's entertaining, you keep coming back every week for it. So, um, so whether and you can you can return that value back to us, not in the same way. It could be time, talent, treasure, whatever it is you're, whatever it is uh, you 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 feel like uh, providing in terms of value back. Uh, you can contribute it back to us, and you can. There are a few ways to do that. You can go to lotuseffect.show and click on that green we like money button yeah and then you can send us some fiat fund coupons via paypal if you if that's your thing you can also uh, take off all your uh, clothes and go to nudepodcastapps.com if you do not have a podcast app that is able to stream satoshis or or to send boostergrams um you can also mail us stuff we, we you know we're kind of old school um so um yeah we had a we we didn't have um as much value contributed back in the last week although god last night's i tell you what last night's rideshare radio was off the fucking chain i'll tell you that okay but i want to point out the fact that that is exactly Exactly one of the models, okay? That is the time. People took the time out of their Friday evening to ride along with Rideshare Radio and put in some dynamite requests. So it's not just all about the boostograms or the financial aspect. Your time is just as valuable as your Fiat Fund coupons or your Satoshis. Yeah, it's not all about the Boostergrams and the Benjamins, which I'm sure somebody could write down as a show title. That's a show title. Yeah, Benjamins and Boostergrams or something like that. Okay, that, well, all right. So here, something but, along. But, but we did get, but we did get some Benjamins from Fantasy Weddings LLC, aka Ref Cybertruck. Hey, yeah, four twenty month us. Hot. Yeah, with us with a stonation. Uh, for four dollars twenty cents, we appreciate that. And for that four dollars and twenty cents, I will gladly plug Fantasy Weddings because it is an amazing thing that Rev Cybertrucker is creating. He is a multifaceted individual who not only delivers metal moment for the bowl after bowl folks, Lorian and Spencer, he also does cavalcade of stupidity for Phone Boy and I. And this fantasy weddings thing, I'll tell you what, he is a master. If you're into Star Wars, he'll dress up as a Jedi. If you're into Star Trek, He'll be Captain Kirk. If you like the Princess Bride, he's your vicar. Anything you can dream up, Fantasy Weddings can deliver. So if you're going to be getting nuptials soon, give them a shout. He travels. He's well worth the money. That's Rev Cybertrucker at Fantasy Weddings. That's right. And uh, we also got it. We got a 9999 stats from Cotton Gin uh, saying thank you for the funk. We got into a funky jam then Saturday, last Saturday. Oh, it's great. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and then last night you boosted thirty three, thirty three sats, saying "Technin, uh, everybody but me." Oh yeah, that is a fantastic tune. I was just in that fuck everybody mood. It was Friday, and I had gotten a late start to the day. It just it was a royal pain in the ass kind of day. Plus the rain just stretched it out into a miserable fuck. So I was just kind of like, "Fuck everybody but me." And uh, you know the people that we are not fucking is the uh, people who like to give us some feedback. I got mail, yay! Yeah, so uh, when so yeah, we you can there's ways you can message us. You can uh, send us a message on No Agenda Social. Uh, I am a phone boy at uh, noagendasocial.com. Uh, Phoenix is P H E O N I X followed by a bunch of other shit at a uh, uh, noagendasocial.com. Uh, you can uh, send us email at phoneboy at lotuseffect.show. Phoenix at lotuseffect.show. Um, you can can send us snail mail if you want. You can also call two five three two three seven three three two one. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Dell computers, this is Chip. 
Yeah, and you can tell us about your uh, your 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 favorite smoking apparatus. Um, I remember Ernestine is standing is not standing by. Chip is not standing by. Google Translate. Yeah, that's the shitty thing you're going to get. It's going to fuck up your transcript. You'll end up as a show title. It happens that's right. all the time. So, and and we can, of course, if you, if you don't have a favorite smoking apparatus, you can sound off on a past refer topic or just say hello. I mean, we might even open up the phone lines again. Who knows? Uh, Love when we but, do. Yeah, exactly. But So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. Yeah, well, we 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 hope you can take it, and and we certainly will take your uh, feedback. But you know, just be careful about. We don't want your shit. Please, please don't send us your shit. Yeah. yeah, please be respectful when you give us feedback. We don't care if you tell us we suck and you think that we should go stick our head in a fucking toilet and flush repeatedly, but don't use racially insensitive language. No drop in the N word. You can drop the F bomb. You can call us cunts. Just don't be racially inappropriate because we're not going to stand for it. And also, I'm adding to that list, anyone who's supporting Hamas and having anti-Israel speak. Fuck you! Don't, we don't want to hear it. Keep it the fuck out of here. You know where we stand. And that's with our friends in Israel. That's right. So meanwhile, um, I think we, 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 we start off the show with our health segment, which is, of course, brought to you by Pfizer. You got to start off with a little Pink Floyd. You know, so we play a lot of Pink Floyd in Studio Thirty Three. That's because uh, we rock. That's right. Well, because Pink Floyd rocks. But anyway, that's my that's just my opinion, man. Um, that's right. But your opinion is not wrong. Yeah, and you know, and I'm, and I'm in charge of this piece of shit. So you know, there you there go. You have it. There you go. So now, for more than a century, American cities have been sliced and diced by high traffic roadways, interstate highways, and wide arterials are now a defining feature of most metropolitan areas, including and even some smaller areas. They're constant flow of cars spewing pollution into nearby neighborhoods. Researchers have only just begun to understand the health risks posed by all that pollution. Long-term exposure to traffic-related air pollution, a complex mixture of exhaust from tailpipes, brake, and tire wear, and road dust, have been linked to increased rates of cardiovascular disease, asthma, lung cancer, and, of course, death. Now, new research from the University of Washington suggests that those health risks are also seen in the people traveling busy roads. A study published on November 28th in the Annals of Internal Medicine found that unfiltered air from rush hour traffic can significantly increase increased passengers blood pressure both while in the car and up to 24 hours later yeah it can't be the fucking traffic the other cunts out there who don't know how to drive cut you off don't know what signal lights are for don't know what the fucking mirror is all about no it's the air well i mean the, the air probably does have some it has its own impacts to it but i'm sure both of those things are uh, you know they, they play a role oh absolutely yes now breathe so the body has a complex set of systems to try and keep blood pressure to your brain the same all the time. It's a very complex, tightly regulated system, and it appears that somewhere in one of those mechanisms, traffic-related air pollution interferes with blood pressure, said Joel Kaufman, a UW physician and professor of environmental and occupational health scientist who led the study. 
Breathing unfiltered air resulted in net blood pressure increases of more than point or 4.5 milligrams of uh, millimeters of, of, of mercury when compared to drives with filtered air. Now, the increase occurred rapidly, peaking at about an hour into the drive and holding steadily for at least 24 hours. Researchers did not test past the 24 hour mark. Now, the size of the increase is comparable to the effect of a high sodium diet, which I find, um, you know, the question is, what, what were those high sodium diets eating? You know, were they eating this, this, this bullshit that they probably shouldn't be eating or were they eating species appropriate food? Well, we won't. We don't. I think we know the answer to that quite honestly. We absolutely know the answer to it and we know it's <clears throat> bullshit. There you go. Now, the findings also raise questions about ultrafine particles, an unregulated and little understood pollutant that has become a source of growing concern among public health experts. Now, ultrafine particles are less than 100 nanometers in diameter, much too small to be seen. Traffic-related air pollution contains high concentrations of ultrafine particles. In the study, unfiltered air contains high levels of ultrafine particles, though the overall level of pollution, uh, as measured by fine particle concentration, uh, was relatively low. <clears throat> the equivalent to an a AQI, air quality index of 36. Now, ultrafine particles are the pollutant that were the most effectively filtered in our experiment. In other words, where the levels are most dramatically high on the road and low in the, in the, in the filtered environment, Kaufman said. So the hint is that ultrafines may be especially important for blood pressure. Now, to actually prove that requires further research, of course. So, you know, this isn't, this isn't, again, it's only a model. Uh, but this study provides a very strong clue as to what's going on. Now, traffic air related air pollution is the main cause of air quality variation from community to community in most U.S. metropolitan areas. Um, look, the climate kind of does too, but I mean, seriously, what we've got here, is, this is, uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, certainly. It, you know, breathing, you know, breathing air that's got shit in it that's probably not natural anyway. Because, I mean, I guess what? A lot of those ultrafine particles are probably, um, you know, it's it's stuff that was, you know, that's not meant to be burned in that quantity. And, of course, if that shit gets in your lungs, yeah, it's going to fucking be problematic, you know? Well, and let's not forget, and I'll take uh, experience on this one <clears throat> because of working in the trucking industry and the fact that all diesel uh, burning vehicles from hell, I don't remember exactly what year it is, but from that year forward had to have a uh, exhaust cleaning system, which is where your DEF, your diesel exhaust fluid comes in. It literally smells like cow piss. It You don't want to get it on your clothes. If you get it on your clothes, you might as well just throw the fucking item away because it's ov this is some of the nastiest shit and it's it's truly a money grab in my opinion because this shit does not do anything worth a fuck to clean the exhaust all it does is put more pollutants into the air through its cleaning of the exhaust it's it's the biggest scam known to man and i don't understand why they are still allowing this to go on oh wait yes i do because they're making tons of money off the fact that they are not giving people an option if you have a diesel engine it has to run uh, with this diesel exhaust fluid and it's it's just it's ridiculous yes i yes i i i agree and i think with this it's it is yeah it it seems like with all these scams that they're putting on there, they, the, the scam says they're doing X. You can probably bet that they're doing the opposite of X. It seems like it does that all the time. Uh, so, um, by, by the way, what, um, are you ready for the next? Uh, uh, 
Obviously, I wasn't if I had my screen up, sweetie. Yes. <coughs> Trying to give me shit about coughing and use a cl- coughing clip. Why don't you just let me fucking cough? Well, if you had waited until the beginning of this story to start hacking, I wouldn't have had to drop a clip. Fine. All right. It's well known that when those around us get sick, there's a good chance we'll catch what they have. But new research published in Trends in Ecology and Evolution reveals that simply observing a sick individual triggers a biological response. Patricia Lopez, an assistant professor of biology at Chapman University, is studying how the body anticipates the possibility of infection just by witnessing someone else's symptoms. This phenomenon raises questions about the interconnectedness of individuals within a social group and how the perception of sickness can influence the health and behavior of others. I guess it really is monkey see monkey do. Yes. Her recent work showed that when healthy animals interacted with animals showing disease symptoms, they activated molecular pathways related to immune responses and changed their egg composition. These types of responses are also found in humans, as summarized in Lopez's publication in Functional Ecology. Now, this research has helped unveil another level of the hidden ripple effects of infection, showing that when one individual falls ill, it's not just their problem. It's a complex story that can impact the health and behavior of many others, says Dr. Lopez. Now, Researchers don't yet understand how long these anticipatory responses last, but note that they shouldn't replace preventative measures like vaccines. Well, you know, okay, there you go. You know, it's it's, it's talking. Article's got to talk out of both sides of its mouth, and it just uh, just remembered. You know, Lopez is currently studying how these anticipatory responses come about and whether they have any protective effect for the organisms experiencing them. Now. I don't know what to think about this other than, yeah, monkey see, monkey do. Uh, people are highly suggestive. Um, well, yeah, all you have to do is look at the scamdemic and how many people just glommed on instead of having their own opinions because they were afraid to stand up and fight for what they believed in, which was that it was a fat bunch of bullshit and just a fucking bad flu. Uh, no, they, they rather jumped on the, everybody's going to attack me if I have an ulterior opinion so i'm gonna go with the masses again monkey see monkey do and this unfortunately we we hear adam and john talking all the time about the new world order guess what all of you sheep out there all of you ones that donned that mask because oh i'm so afraid of bucking the system all of you who got the jabby jab because oh my god it's mandated and then a week later they fucking drop the mandation for all of you congratulations you're helping usher in their new world order. Way to go, numbnuts. Exactly. No, uh, I, I'm sorry. I just can't be. I, I just. I, <laughs> I, I just can't be gentle with all the shit in the last week that I have learned about what is going on behind the scenes. I just can't help but fucking think. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Well, that was a professional transition there, honey. I'm impressed. Thank you so much. Yeah, this, that, that, I'm, I'm, and you did, and you took that clip too. So, dude, easy. You're gonna jizz all over the fucking microphone. Well, no, that, that's for the after after party. I'm sorry. That's um, right. It- <laughs> <laughs>
In a world grappling with deep-seated division and social upheaval, empathy has become more critical than ever. Now, but what, but science suggests that when it comes to evoking empathy, our imagination is powerful or more powerful than we previously thought. A new study led by McGill researchers reveals how the different ways of uh, to experience empathy affect our willingness to help others. Now, empathy is the ability to understand the situation of another person and is vital for pro-social behaviors. However, we know that empathy isn't just one thing. We can express it differently either as personal distress or compassionate concern for that other person, explains McGill psychology professor Sidney Sheldon and the study's co-author. Now, until now, research in empathy has largely focused on how imagining helping another person can promote compassion, but not on how imagining other person's situation affects empathy, which is usually our first mental course of action. Now, these findings published in the journal Emotion break new ground by showing how another form of empathy, personal distress, is more prominent when imagining those situations and may actually be a catalyst for taking action to help. The joint effort between McGill and Albany University discovered that when we vividly imagine someone else's problems in our minds, it makes us feel their pain more and motivates us to lend a helping hand. Or you could just be a fucking empath and you, f and you tend to feel it. Yeah, you don't really get a choice on that. Yeah, exactly. Now, the findings bring us closer to cracking the code of human behavior and the link between our mental experiences and pro-social actions. These results are essential uh, for understanding why some situations and even people seem more empathetic than others. Well, you may, again, you might forget the fact that there are empaths out there that can, that actually can feel this stuff without having to do a whole, you know, it doesn't take us much to do it. In fact, if anything, we have to work to not do it sometimes because it gets. And that's, that is the problem is that people don't realize when you're an empath, this isn't a choice that you make. It is something that <clears throat> you're born with. And no matter, um, you have to learn techniques to block some of that energy. I, I, you've heard me talk about it a lot with doing rideshare, that when I come home, the first thing I need to do is to take a shower because it's a literal and metaphorical washing the energy off of me from all of the people who I've encountered throughout the day, whether it be traffic-wise, um, riders in my, in, in my rideshare, whatever it is. I need to get that energy off of me. I need to center myself. And water is the great purifier, Yes, it is. And, and yeah, and I think it and, and I think there's something to it, too, because I've because I've I've historically been a morning shower person. But I, I feel like that um, with all of these changes, yeah, I almost I think I kind of prefer it for that reason. So I start the night clean. You know what I mean? It's a and honestly, because I enjoy making soap, this is something that I have done in the past and I do enjoy doing. I'm thinking about taking some of my essential oils and making some soap that will wash the negative energy off and replace it with positive. I can do that through essential oils. Sounds like a good idea to me, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to look into that. Yeah. But, you know, the, maybe these next folks could uh, use some special soap for their sleep. Yeah. So the sleep hack known by the name military sleep technique was developed by Bud Winter, an Olympic sprint coach who describes the technique in his book, Relax and Win Championship Performance. Now, around 10 percent of adults in the world suffer from insomnia, a common sleep disorder that causes difficulty in falling asleep and getting a good quality of sleep. Insomnia can affect a person's memory and concentration and raises the long term risk of developing high blood pressure. 
coronary heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Now, a person takes an average of 20 minutes to fall asleep, according to William O. Roberts, a professor and former director of the University of Minnesota uh, Medical School's sports medicine program. Now, difficulty in sleeping can stem from several factors, including stress. Yes, I, I, I can... Yes, that sounds like how I slept two years ago. I couldn't sleep because of stress. Changes in work schedules and dietary habits. Sometimes it could be a sign of medical conditions such as anxiety, depression, chronic acid reflux, and Parkinson's disease. In such cases, it's it's essential to consult a medical practitioner. But if your sleep struggle is temporary, possibly due to stress or a new environment, you could try out the military sleep technique. Now, this is this is what they say to do. So. Um, you, first of all, you take deep breaths. So you lie still on your back and relax each muscle and take deep breaths. Relax your face. Uh, relax the muscles on your face, relieving the tension in your jaw and eyebrows. Drop your shoulders. The next step is to relax the muscles of your shoulders and arms and hands. Now, relax your lower body. After the upper body muscles are relaxed, shift the focus to relaxing the muscles of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis down to the thigh, knee, calf, ankle, foot, and toes. Now, clear your mind, right? Once the body muscles are relaxed, it's time to clear your mind. Clear your mind. Oh... To calm your mind, you can try visualizing a calming image, like a lotus. If you still feel distracted, repeat the phrase, don't think, for a few seconds. Okay, maybe not like that, but you understand what I'm saying. Now, the effect of the military sleep method may vary for each person. There's no specific research that proves the efficacy or benefits of this technique. Now, however, it is a sleep technique based on deep breathing and progressive muscle relaxation, um, for relaxation of muscles from top to down, both of which have been associated with improved sleep. So that's actually something we learned in massage therapy school is we call it putting the uh, parts of your body to sleep. So you think about the fact that like you, you say goodnight to your, you know, to your neck, you kind of move your neck side to side and you say goodnight to your shoulders give them maybe a little roll, et cetera, et cetera, until you've literally put your body finger quotes to sleep. I will tell y'all, I have used this on numerous occasions if masturbation didn't work to make me tired, because let's just face it, y'all, that works really good if you can't sleep. Rub one out, just saying. But no, I've actually used that massage uh, therapy technique numerous times when I could not sleep, and I don't make it to my toes. And inevitably, probably around my midsection, I'm out. It's amazing. Oh, there you go. Well, how about, um, yeah, um, unfortunately, I've yet to find anything that, that consistently works for me. I'm, of course, I'm, you know, I don't know. I've, done a, I've tried a lot. I've had a lot of trouble sleeping, um, I think, over, over throughout my life. So, um, and, it, and a lot of it is stress related, I'm sure, or seems to be stress related. But, um, oh, undoubtedly. And this, <laughs> I'll tell you, this, this next story gives me stress. Oh, is someone not feeling well? So a new AI-assisted molecular diagnostic platform capable of identifying variants of COVID-19 and other infectious diseases has been developed by scientists in the UK. The low-cost portable device could play a crucial role in preventing future pandemics due to its accuracy and versatility. Now, scientists from the University of Surrey... Brunel University London and Lancaster University in collaboration with the NHS, GB Electronics y y uh, Limited and Video Limited have created the platform known as Video Hunter VH6. It uses reverse transcription loop 
mediated isothermal amplification, boy, that's a mouthful, technology in combination with an artificial intelligence-based deep learning model. The AI model has been trained to read the results of tests identifying infectious diseases, including COVID-19, and removes user interpretation and errors while improving accuracy. Okay, so basically what they're saying is they can uh, create this computer that... Now, picture, if you will, if you've ever seen any of the Oceans movies where they cheat the casino by programming the thing to like it's a code thing you know they they encode it and for every fifth thing it wins or whatever imagine if they're doing this to a medical device where every how many um results ends up being positive it totally goes along with the model but i'll continue the work is published in the journal Frontiers of Molecular Biosciences. To confirm the accuracy of VH6, scientists tested 150 COVID-19 positive clinical nasal swabs with a range of viral loads and 250 negative samples provided by NHS Berkshire, Surrey Pathology, and Royal Lancaster Infirmary. The specificity of 100%... Oh. What the fuck? Well, you gotta, gotta wow. look, serious. Here's the thing. She's on fucking do not disturb even. Yes. So fuck Apple. Yes. Fuck it. Fuck it all. But now, of course, I have a question with, with, sure. the, with, with the story is that, okay, so they use, they use the standard nasal swab test, which we know those are fucking inaccurate. So you oh, completely. So, so ba- okay. I so basically, okay. So, all right. So let me, let me, so what you're doing, so what they're doing is they're feeding an AI bullshit uh, information so it can make more bullshit things. So what? Yeah, I mean, so, uh, but okay. I mean, uh, seriously, like, I just, I, it just blows me away. I mean, now that, now, um, I, I gotta, I gotta see this. Professor Mohammed uh, Muner, pre- uh, professor of virology and viral, uh, viral uh, zoonosis at Lancaster University, said incorporation of lamp technology with advanced modules of AI has empowered the earliest reliable and economical detection of infections, including COVID nineteen, and holds potential for the detection of diseases in both humans and animals, making it a tool of significant metal importance now so they're basically gonna again they're gonna program the ai with bullshit it's gonna find more bullshit and everybody's gonna be sick yeah garbage in garbage out as pointed out by fazilla in the chat and i completely agree that's exactly what it reminds me of is garbage in garbage out (coughs) bullshit all right well i mean then again we all know what kind of bullshit they're spouting at this point will be safe and effective. The Texas Attorney General is suing pharmaceutical giant Pfizer for misrepresenting the effectiveness of the company's COVID-19 vaccine. And by the way, the article has vaccine in quotes. Right? For, and for conspiring to censor those who questioned its claims. Now, the suit filed Thursday alleges that Pfizer violated the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act by engaging in false deceptive and misleading acts as it pr- promoted the drug. The facts are clear. <laughs> said Attorney General Ken Paxton in a statement revealing the suit. Pfizer did not tell the truth about their COVID-19 vaccines. No shit. We are pursuing justice for the people of Texas, many of whom were co- coerced by tyrannical vaccine mandates to take a defective product sold by lies. 
Emphasis mine. The suit comes about eight months after Paxton announced an investigation of Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson for potential misrepresentation about COVID-19 efficacy and potential manipulation of vaccine trial data. Now, I have a question. Wait, before you continue, I have a question. Am I or am I not correct in that these insurance companies have written in de- like where no fault, like you can't? Yes. So how how does this suit think it's going to make any headway in suing? Well, well them? we will find out. Well, we're, I guess we're going to find out. It's, it's keeping things interesting. However, so um, now um, let's see. So by the way, folks, one of the when I read this story, I want to I want to point out something that we there's some shit we've talked about, and you know when we start talking about medical, uh, you know, interpreting, uh, you know, um, the the results of you know, medical trials and that kind of thing, and how they're represented in the media. This this story is a great going to be a great example of that shit. So so exactly. And, you know, Paxton accused Pfizer of unlawfully misrepresenting the effectiveness of their covid-19 vaccination and attempting to censor public discussion of the product. Uh, Once again, no shit, Sherlock. We know this. Yes. So. He accused so he accused uh, the uh, the the company of unlawfully misrepresenting uh, effectiveness of the company's COVID nineteen vaccine and attempting to censor public. Yeah, we already talked about. It. Okay, so Pfizer. So the press release continues that, that that Pfizer engaged in false, deceptive, and misleading acts and practices by making unsupported claims regarding the company's COVID nineteen vaccine in violation of the Texas Deceptive. Uh, Trade Practices Act. Now, much of the Paxton's 54-page complaint focused on Pfizer's December 20th, 2020 claim that its vaccine was 95% effective, in quotes. However, yeah, this is right. where it gets good, folks. According to the complaint, more Americans died in 2021 with Pfizer's vaccine available than in 2020. I mean, seriously, right? So he also cites government reports concluding that in some places, deaths among vaccinated people outpace those among the unvaccinated, even on percentages basis. Pfizer's claim of 95% efficacy rested on deceptive framing of clinical trial observations, says the complaint. Now, that number was only ever legitimate in a solitary, highly technical and artificial way. It represented a calculation of the so-called relative risk reduction. There you go for vaccinated individuals in Pfizer's then unfinished pivotal clinical trial. But FDA publications indicate relative risk reduction is a misleading statistic that unduly influences consumer choice. Indeed, per FDA, when information is presented in a relative risk format, the risk reduction seems large and treatments are viewed more favorably than when the same information is presented using more accurate metrics. Now, Now you've heard us talk about statistics and the bullshit that they are. There's to the point there's even a book out there called How to Lie with Statistics. You don't think this book was created because statistics are accurate and actually giving you the true information, do you? Yeah, well, in, I think I think even your teachers acknowledge that. One hundred percent, the teachers acknowledge that to the point it was said on an extra credit question. She told us if I ever ask you this question, the answer is that statistics lie. And I think it was, what is the number one rule of statistics? Statistics lie. I don't think she ever actually gave us yeah, that question. I, I, but the fact that 
the way that she did it was kind of like saying, look, this is my viewpoint, but I can't say it's my viewpoint. So we're going to phrase it and frame it this way. OK, well, that kind of reminds me of a trick that, that I that I actually had in my in my eighth grade civics class. Uh, nice. So the the teacher said, if you always, if you write power corrupts on the top of your test, I will always, you will get you will get a free point. I said, that sounds like a. Yeah, I mean that—that's some propaganda right there. But it's good propaganda, right? It, yeah, it benefits you. It benefits me, and you know, and I and looking back on that is, you know, that it—that's not actually. I think I, I believe that's not what Lord Acton actually said. He said power tends to corrupt or something like that. But basically, the idea of power corrupts. Yes, it is a, it is very true. And and that I that is the one thing. If, if all the shit I learned, right? I, I that's the one thing I remember from that class is that power corrupts, right? That's why that we try to we you know we try to have limits on power, right? That, that's part of the how this country was, uh, you know, the, the, on the principles this country was founded. Unfortunately, um, we don't see we seem to have lost all those principles somewhere along the way. Yeah, and to really get an idea of the nefariousness that's going on behind the scenes of government, <clears throat> tune into Coffee and Chronic Monday morning, seven a.m. We are continuing. <sighs> Our reporting, if you will, on the Kathy O'Brien information and how, with the help of her rescuer, she has been able to shed light and blow the whistle on the horrible atrocities that the government is perpetrating against its children and its own people, namely through the education system. Yeah. Now. Now, the critical 95% claim came at a point when Pfizer only had an average of two months data on participants, said Paxton. Specifically, the Texas Attorney General says that of the 17,000 who received a placebo, only 162 contracted the illness, which makes for a poor baseline from which to judge the efficacy of the so-called vaccine. Yeah, that would not have looked good for them at all if they had presented that. Yeah. Had Pfizer used the FDA's preferred metric, absolute risk reduction, it would have instead informed the public that the vaccine was a merely 0.85% effective, writes Paxton. But that would not have gotten people to take it. No. Moreover, according to Pfizer's own data, preventing one COVID-19 case required vaccinating 119. That's the number needed to treat That's folks the right MNT. fucking there. Right there. He just said it. That's We've the- been screaming it for how long? So... 100 so 120 119 people have to be have to be treated for one person to receive a benefit. Yeah, that doesn't seem that's like That's a real shitty number to me. Yeah, exactly, which yeah, I don't think that's a great idea. So Not real great odds. No. Paxton also accuses Pfizer of creating a false impression about the vaccine's duration of protection without having any basis. Worse, the company accuses Pfizer of withholding highly relevant data and information from the consuming public showing that efficacy waned. Pfizer is also alleged to have made baseless claims and insinuations about the vaccine's supposed ability to thwart transmission and to be helpful against variants. That's why the CDC had to keep uh, every week. It was no, don't rem- don't think about what we said last week. We changed our minds. Now it's this. Wait till we get to the story. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm just saying, need we pull in all of the Fauci clips of week one? Masks don't do anything. Week two, mask up. Week three, triple mask. Triple mask. There we go. All right. Now, um, let's see. So the complaint, 
The complaint also says Pfizer took overt action to intimidate and silence persons who spread factual information about vaccine efficacy. We know that's the dream truth. Yeah, a censorship drive uh, that allowed the company to secure commitments to purchase at least 415 million and 2.7 billion doses from the U.S. and foreign governments, respectively. Pfizer's actions included pressuring social media platforms to silence influential doubters. Yeah, remember all the talk about the vaccine? uh, What did they call them? Um, other than misinformation, they were the uh, anti-vaxxers. Yes. Now, it's no small amount of hesitation that we referred to Pfizer's shot as a vaccine, in, qu- in, in air quotes, probably. After all, in practice, it behaved nothing like how the term was understood before the pandemic. Yeah, Quartz- remember, they rewrote the definition uh, well, of oh, oh, vaccine. Oh, we'll, re- we'll read them here in just a second. Uh, for, so, uh, for example, prior to COVID-19, the, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, I'm not calling it prevention, fuck you, uh, defined vaccination as the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce, to produce immunity to a specific disease. And that, um, and that, so and after the so-called COVID-19 vaccines proved to produce something far short of reliable immunity, the CDC moved the goalpost to benefit the pharmaceutical companies and their fellow travelers in the public health bureaucracy. And we all know why that is. Yes. As Kentucky. Wait, co- I have the exact answer. That's exactly why. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Anyway, um, so... um Anyway, so the, uh, and, I'll, and I'll read the definitions here from the, so there's a so the definition of a vaccination. This is according to the Centers for Disease Control. Uh, prior to 2015, vaccination was defined as an injection of a killed or weakened infect, infectious organism in order to prevent the disease. Now, vaccination from 2015 to 2021, the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease. Okay. Now, number three, the September 2021, the act of introduction, introducing a vaccine into the body to produce protection from a specific disease. <clears throat> bullshit. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's a lot of bullshit there. Sorry, I, there's nothing short of bullshit that you can say uh, 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 about the whole. How do you rewrite a fucking definition of a word? This this just. Broke my brain, and for anyone out there old enough to George Orwell told us told us how it's done. They 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 it's a playbook, honey. I realize that I, I realize that, and more and more, it's becoming crystal clear just exactly how deep in the shit we are all sitting, no matter what position we take, and we are the only ones who can dig ourselves out of it. We we must absolutely must revolt, Guy Fawke for the win. Yeah, speaking of shit. Yeah, this will cause you to clench your sphincter. According to the National Center for Complementary and Integrative uh, Health, uh, uh, people use juice diets to lose weight, clear toxins from the body, improve their skin condition. However, very little research supports these benefits. There may even be risks associated with juice cleansing. Now, fruits and vegetables are high in act- various active compounds that benefit general health and prevent chronic dis- conditions. Now, for example, they're a good source of, of, of phenolic compounds. They have antioxidant, immune-supporting, and antibacterial properties. Now, fruit juices may also help low, lower bl- blood pressure and cholesterol levels. Still a lot of sugar, though. Um, ju- 
juice cleanses may help increase the number of healthy bacteria in your gut, which has been linked to weight loss. For example, in a 2017 study, a three-day juice-only diet altered the gut bacteria in 20 healthy adult participants. So that sounds like a big study. Uh, they experienced substantial weight losses after, that lasted after the study ended. That's because they were shitting themselves. Yeah, the researchers concluded this may be due to changes in the participants' gut bacteria. However, it's also important to note that the participants only consumed th three, uh, 1,310 calories per day. This is below the number of daily calories recommended by the dietary guidelines for Americans. That would also attribute to the weight loss. That's right. Um, so... Being in a calorie deficit could lead to rapid weight loss, but there's a and there's a lack of scientific evidence to support the idea that juices cleanse your body by flushing toxins. Now, some detox treatments have been shown to improve liver detoxification and remove environmental pollutants from the body. However, authors of a 2015 review suggest that these clinical studies have significant flaws in methodology and low participant numbers. Much of the prom the, the promoted evidence also comes from animal research, which can't necessarily apply to humans. Now, most people who do juice cleanses don't eat enough solid food to meet their energy needs. This may lead to increased hunger and energy restrictions that could cause symptoms like tiredness, headaches, or irritability. Now, juices also have less dietary fiber than whole fruits and vegetables, right? And that's true. And that's, and that might be, you know, that's, and that also increases the impact on your blood sugar if you, you know, if you have less fiber, right? You know, uh, so some research uh, suggests that less fiber facilitates your body to process and absorb the juice nutrients. Um, uh, however, dietary fiber also has many health benefits, promotes blood sugar management, heart health, and gut health, and is associated with a reduced risk of developing colorectal cancer. Now, now many store-bought juices are high in sugar. Just avoid them, right? Juice cleanses have been shown to impact people's relationship with food, for example, leading to either orthorexia, nervosa, or bulimia nervosa. Now, the closest thing I've ever done to this is actually fasting. It was like a lemon juice and, um, and cayenne pepper thing. Ew. Yes, I've done that. Um, Gross. Why would, did it work? Um, yeah, I mean, for the short term, yes, but obviously it was not a, you know, it was not a long-term thing. Obviously, we know that the only thing that we've found so far that's been long term has been the no sugar, no grain. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, speaking of long term, well, I think we need to talk about this. A human being will get concussed at 60 Gs. A common head-to-head -head contact on a football field, 100 Gs. So that is from a movie that I saw uh, flying across the country at some point. It's called Concussion. Uh, it stars Will Smith, and it actually uh, it, it it actually tells the story of um, some players in the NFL that uh, you know that died, and it could be traced back to the fact that they lost their their mind because of uh, you know, because of uh, the effects of um, you know playing football basically in the seventies and such. Right. So um, it's, it's a good it's a good um, I, I I we'll, we'll watch it um, you know in, at some point. But again, but that. that when, so when when I saw this story, it was it, it's something that is it's something that I've uh, heard, you know, I've been I've paid attention to because uh, yeah, the, it's uh, the, right around the time this uh, story came out, the uh, or you know, or, or, you know, when the movie came out, certainly the NFL started changing uh, how they handle uh, things like concussions and that, or, you know, they're or, you know they're trying to make the game safer. They keep talking about that every you know every every chance they get, they're you know they're oh, we're investing and in trying to do da 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 da. We're using AI to make you know to uh, track shit. You know they're, they're well, you know, forcing their athletes to get vaccinated 
yeah, that, that's really keeping shit safe. Yes, exactly. Now, in a new study using brain scans of former NFL athletes, John Hopkins medicine researchers say they found high levels of repair protein present long after traumatic brain injury, such as a concussion, takes place. The repair protein, known as a 18-KDA translocator protein, or TSPO, is known to be present in the brain at high levels in the immediate aftermath of brain injury as part of inflammatory response and to facilitate repair. The new findings published in JAMA Network Open suggest that brain injury and repair processes persist for years after players end collision sports careers and lead to long-term cognitive problems such as memory loss. The findings show that participating in repeated collision sports like football may have a direct link to long-term inflammation in the brain, said Jennifer Coughlin, MD, Associate Professor of of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Ongoing studies like the current one, she says, adds details about how the brain heals or doesn't and how repeated brain injuries, even mild ones that players routinely shake off may over time affect cognitive abilities. Uh, Coglin notes that TSPO is a protein associated with immune cells in the brain known as a mi- uh, micro- uh, microglia. The pro- this protein is always present at relatively low levels, and when a person experiences a traumatic brain injury of any kind, TSPO levels are significantly increased as part of the immune response. Now, past studies have shown the presence of elevated levels of TSPO in up to 17 years after injury, which researchers say indicates the brain remains in a heightened state of injury and repair long after the traumatic event. In the new study, researchers examined MRI and PET scans that were completed between April 18 and, and, uh, 2018 and February 2023 of 27 former NFL players. They compared these brain scans to those acquired from 27 non-collision sports athletes, uh, swimmers, who all participated in at least two years in, the, in, in NCAA Division I, two or three level competition. All athletes were between 24 and 45 years of age. That's quite a range for college athletes, is it not? That's really bizarre. Who the fuck is 45 playing a college athlete sport? Yeah, so that's uh, really weird. Yeah, so um and all the athletes and 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 they were of course all male in this in this case, but and in participant all participants in both groups underwent cognitive assessments including memory tests. Now the results show that the former NFL players performed worse in learning and memory tests than the swimmers. Additionally, they found that levels of TSPO in former NFL athletes were higher on average compared with the swimmers, particularly in areas of the brain associated with memory and attention. I just find it interesting that they did this with like football players and swimmers. That's yeah. Why swimmers? Why did they pick swimmers? Yeah, I don't know. They pick something without a lot of contact. I think is in that. Um, tennis, uh, rowing. You have a shit ton of other sports that are much more dignified than swimming. Well, yeah. Well, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. It's completely my opinion. Okay. Meanwhile, um, you know, we've got this. With shares already plummeting, reflecting a post-COVID dearth of revenue streams, Pfizer, yeah, the company we love to hate, its growth outlook just took another hit as it halted development of its experimental weight loss pill after a high rate of side effects appeared in a mid-stage study. Now, more than half the patients in the, stu- in the study had to stop taking denuglipropron uh, due to nausea and vomiting, according to a statement on Friday. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Well, the most common of adverse effects in the study were mild. Nausea was seen in up to 73% of patients, vomiting in up to 47%, and diarrhea in as much as 25%. Let that let that marinate for just a second. Half of them were puking and a quarter of them were shitting themselves. That's way too high. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, no kidding. Um, so now Pfizer will continue developing a once daily version of the pill. It hopes it may improve its the, the tolerability profile. Now, uh, Pfizer had hoped to follow Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk's lead, both of which provide the shot based GLP one and agonists that have made so much of the news this year and driven massive out performance. So Pfizer and AstraZeneca pills uh, saw pills as a way to make inroads into a market projected to reach $100 billion within seven years. Maybe not so much now. Um, Pfizer CEO Albert uh, Barola had said that the oral weight loss drugs will capture a third of the obesity market. Now, the company had pinned its weight loss hopes on Danugliperon after discontinuing another experimental obesity drug in June due to safety concerns. Now, Pfizer's shares are down around 4% in the pre-market, back near their lowest since March 2020 on the backs of this news. Now, of course, they probably didn't have a liability waiver this time. I just want to point out, are, am I the only one who is seeing a consistency that Pfizer just is a shitty company? All in all, the shit that they're producing is just abject garbage. They can't get the COVID-19 vaccine right. They can't get the weight loss pill right. There's other safety concerns with another obesity drug. I mean, these people can't get their shit together to save their company. I cannot wait. We need to get a clip of a toilet flushing because I, I foresee Pfizer becoming a shit stock. Give it another six months. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. So, um, however, I think we, I think we've uh, we've finished our health segment, so it's time to move on. The key to life is a penis in your asshole. Suck my thermos. That clip took me. I don't even want to tell you how long it took me to find that fucking clip. I'm uh, gonna say, start to finish, you probably spent an hour. Yes. Trying to get that clip, and I'll tell you what. I love this story because a Stanley Thermos survived a car fire and the company was so impressed. Not only did they replace the mug, they replaced the car. Now, Kia Sorrento owner Danielle lit up TikTok with a viral video of her approaching her car, which had recently caught fire. Within the torched interior stood a solitary, undamaged item. It was a Stanley Thermos, and it was the reason for the 84 million shares and 60,000 comments that festooned the post. Everybody's so concerned about if the Stanley spills, but what about if it melts? She asks in the video. Then she grabs the Stanley Thermos in the cup holder and shakes it. Fire yesterday, she says. Still has ice in it. The firestorm of comments was filled with people egging Stanley on to reward Danielle for this incomparable advertisement, and it didn't take long for Stanley to reply. We've all seen your video. Wow, what an ordeal, and we're all really glad you're safe, said Stanley Company President Terrence Riley in a video response. I've seen a lot of comments that we should send you some Stanley. Well, we're going to send you some Stanley, but one more thing— We've never done this before, and we'll probably never do it again, but we'd love to replace your vehicle. An auto blog covered the story in part in order to talk about the manner in which a Kia catches fire, detailed that Danielle received a whole box of Stanley thermoses. They also linked to a blog on Stanley's website called Stories of the Unbreakables, which is filled with anecdotes of a Stanley product surviving above all else. For example, Dave Moreno 
plans to be buried with his Stanley thermos, which he bought 10 years ago, and he's used in his work as a construction worker across the U.S. Southwest and Southern America. It even deflected a bullet, not away from Dave, though, in an attempted robbery in Peru. Now, I will tell you, as a uh, commercial driver, a former commercial driver, and I'm sure Rev Cyber Trucker and Sir Truck Driver and any other driver out there can attest to the fact we probably either do or have owned a Stanley Thermos. I can tell you I still own a very large Stanley Thermos that fits an entire pot of coffee in it. <clears throat> These things are unbreakable. The coffee will stay hot for like two straight days in this thermos. It is the most unbelievable product. And no shit, you can drop these things from a fucking building and it's going to survive. Run it over. It's going to survive. It's happened. They're an amazing product. And the fact they did this <clears throat> is just so like kudos to the Stanley Corporation for being stand up individuals yeah because you're right that is the best advertising this thing just like literally i know how hot car fires get and this thing surviving it and still having ice inside you can't get a better you couldn't pay a marketing company to give you an ad like that uh, yeah i mean that it's pretty amazing and yes the, 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 yeah, a, a, a good quality thermos yes uh, uh, yeah the thermos yeah but it's an, and yes that's right yeah. and i mean they're not horribly priced either i mean if if you talk in Phoneboy and I talk all the time about value for value in things because I was talking about my windshield wipers that he replaced for me and he got some Rain-X wipers and I was saying wow I think they were coated with Rain-X because when I've had rain it using them the the rain is just beating off and I have not Rain-X'd my windshield but how great these wipers work I'm like you know I know they were kind of expensive but holy shit they're worth the money and I'm like that is so the value for value model you know, you have a product that, yes, you may be paying a little extra for it, but the money that you're paying, you're getting your money's worth. So these kids in this next story are definitely getting their money's worth. That's the sound of the man working on the chain. And by the year 2000, Judge John Phillips had long since lost count of the number of minors he had sent through the California penitentiary system for crimes committed during a violent, unguided, and hopeless adolescence. You send these young people to prison and they learn to become harder criminals, he said once. In 2003, he set out to find a better way. To get kids an environment of support where they could pass through these difficult years with a hand on their shoulder, Phillips started Rancho Cielo at the base of a hill in the town of Salinas. Oh, that's, uh, that's not too far from where I grew up. Uh, utilizing it. Yeah, I was wondering if you had pulled this story because of its um, California ties. Um, and, and no, that just happened to be a coincidence, I think. But oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I just, in fact, I was putting this, putting the script together. That was uh, that was one I noticed, and I went, oh, okay, you know. So okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, so. Um, Rancho is so uh, Rancho Cielo is a vocational training facility, culinary academy and private school that only works only at with at risk youth or youth living below the poverty line of nineteen thousand dollars a year for a family of four. 
Now, at first, the organization running it would only take in adolescent offenders. But as the 21st century marched on, Salinas took several turns for the worse, you know, given the politics of that area. And I wouldn't be surprised. And in 2015, saw more underage murders than anywhere else in the nation. Yeah, oh, wow. Um, now, this, the strategy changed and Rancho Cielo would be out frequently passing by high schools, county jails, juvenile detention centers, homeless shelters and foster homes, always asking if it were possible to take in the worst of the worst, hoping to interrupt the course of these youth's lives and turn them toward a brighter future. To that end, Rancho Cielo had a wide variety of programs, much of which is hands-on and kinetic, from the carpentry and construction program and vintage car repair to beekeeping and equestrian care. Experts and industry professionals frequent Rancho Cielo to share their knowledge, like Tom Forget, who teaches the auto and diesel repair shop, and Laura Nicola, uh, co-manager of the ranch restaurant, whose uh, other job is at the James Beard uh, award-winning uh, La Bicyclette. Now, upstairs traditional high school level classes are held for academic topics like writing and mathematics, usually to prepare students for a GED or a community college admission. This is paired with additional preparatory courses like resume and cover letter writing and interview skills. In my other school, it was all reading and writing, 17-year-old Omar Amanzola told USA Today's Elizabeth Weiss. Here, the teachers are more chill. You don't have to stay in your seat all day. You can do, you can do things that are hands-on. It's cool. Each year, 220 students attend Rancho Cielo, and while some don't make it, 84.8% of first-time offenders who enroll at Rancho Cielo never reoffend, compared to the 40% recidivism rate in the county. Well, while all this tutoring, diversity, and infrastructure seems financially unsustainable, it costs just $25,000 to put a kid through Rancho Cielo, compared to the $110,000 it costs to house them in prison. Seems like a beat. You know, that actually makes a lot of sense, that it it really is... Pay now or pay later. On honestly, yeah, it is. In uh, yeah, and I think, but I think, if, if, but if based on how you know, the more things we're finding out about what you know, when you, um, about yes, I know. Uh, do you, does it does it ever fucking surprise you? No, and I would have to say this is probably a, a situation that's on the up and up because if it were nice. something that had compromisation. Uh, unless they're bullshitting the numbers about the kids who don't reoffend, yeah. I, I think this actually might be one of the good ones. Kind of like this next story. All right, now I just want to say that clip, when I pulled it, it will be familiar to any of you more than likely who have children. It is from Snow White. But pulling that clip... And listening to that part of the movie, something that Snow White says really bothered me, especially after having consumed almost the entire book that Kathy O'Brien wrote about her ordeal from birth and the nefariousness of our government. Uh, it's, it's called Trans, T-R-A-N-S, Formation. It is on Audible. And it is fucking unbelievable. And like I said, we, we talk about it on the show Monday morning, uh, you know, Coffee and Chronic. But I've been told I, pre I boost my show too much. I promote my show too much. So I'm not going to continue to talk about it. But I am going to continue to talk about what is going on with our government and the way that they are 
stealing the innocence of our children through the education system and other ways. But for right now, we're going to talk about this wonderful couple that planted two million trees in 20 years to restore a destroyed forest, and it brought the animals back. So in 2001, the legendary photojournalist Sebastio Salgado had a dream of restoring the forest near his home in the state of Minas Gras. Now, 20 years later, his family property is a biodiverse paradise. His work over long years saw him and his wife, Layla, and volunteers plant 20 million trees from 290 different species across over 1,500 acres of desiccated hillsides, recreating a natural forest ecosystem into which rare animals have now come to live. Salgado's story is a famous one. The photojournalist documented some of the most dramatic events of human misery of the 20th century. He authored half a dozen books, exhibited his photos around the world, and was the subject of a documentary, Salt of the Earth. When he came home in 1998 after reporting on the exodus of the Rwandans into the Congo, the land around his family home had been completely destroyed. The land was as sick as I was. Everything was destroyed, Salgado told The Guardian back in 2015. <clears throat> Only about 0.5% of the land was covered in trees. Then my wife had a fabulous idea to replant this forest. And when we began to do that, then all the insects and birds and fish returned. And thanks to this increase of the trees, I too was reborn. This was the most important moment. That same year, he and Lila founded Instituto Terra, which focuses on environmental restoration and sustainable rural development in the Rio Dos Valley. Located in southeast Brazil, it makes up a part of the other great landscape of the country. The Atlantic forest biome, which is far more temperate than the Amazon or the Pantanal, and far more threatened. Today, the property is officially titled Private Reserve of Natural Heritage Bolchow Farm, and hundreds of animal species have returned to the Rio dos including 173 bird species alone, that, uh, including ocelots, purple-breasted parrots, and the African titi. So the species have been identified, and you can listen to some of their squawking in the article. <clears throat> I believe there's a link in the article. Yeah, there is a... Yeah. Um, yeah, um, so. Interested conservationists can also donate to the Salgados project on his website or even schedule a visit to the reserve. So you can actually go to this place and see these wonderful rare animals that he has helped to bring back to the area. So, you know, bravo to him. Yeah. Um, well, words are hard. And let's get let's give us a, a break here. And we have the uh, cavalcade of stupidity here from our good, uh, good pal, uh, Sir Ref Cybertracker. Let's uh, hit it. I said hit it. Finding Christmas songs that are funny is not exactly an easy task. Fortunately, Shoebox of Worm Quartet has solved that problem for me. So let's all sit back, sip our hot chocolate, and eat our Christmas cookies while Shoebox of Worm Quartet reads us a Christmas story. From the 2008 album Songs of the Maniacs, this is Warm Quartet. 
a Worm Quartet Christmas. Okay, kids, settle down. It's story time. I said settle down! That's better. "'Twas the night before Pope's Day, and all through the goat, the croutons were twirling like tits on a boat. The scarves of young bellhops were basted in phlegm in the hopes that Tom Brokaw would grow on a stem. The milkman was throbbing and glaring at clamps, while erstwhile gophers molested his lamps. And I and my carrot that made me lick spheres were spanking a nun underwater at Sears. When out in the beef hole a Frenchman was squirted, and clanged with such force that my nipples inverted. With ponies and catheters chained to my nose, I neutered a biscuit and swallowed my clothes. The clams of my waitress demanded more towels, as poodle-clad jockeys read porn scripts to owls. <laughs> and there, on the perfectly boneless horizon, a vomiting duck made me switch to Verizon. The voice of my thermostat cut through the night like a fat Presbyterian licking a kite. It promised me hampers of mayonnaise and sorrow, and belched like a barnacle baptized by Charo. On kiwis, on forklifts, on poultry and nipples, on youpers, on poopers, on commies and cripples, to the nostril of glee, to the concubine planet, now Marmaduke, 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 damn it! As elk-flavored media gargled in pain like a murderous thermos of pork in the rain, and the constable pudding that lived in my basement burst forth manifestos on bovine replacement. And then, like the screech of a bucket of toast, when a rectal kaleidoscope comes in the post, a warm feathered hat made of anger and meat threw a cat through my face and glued fame to my feet. The porcelain lullabies bled through the cheese as fiberglass embryos marched by in three. Oh my! We're, we will play. That for- is absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Rev Cyber Trucker. You sick motherfucker. Yeah. So there, there's a reason you are our friend. Uh, you are. You are. You oh, are, absolutely. Yes. I wasn't throwing shade. No, that was meant as a compliment. Uh, of I course. Know damn well, he knows it. Yeah, he knows it. So, all right. Um, so now we are to the one segment we still don't have a fucking uh, sound to transition into, which would be the toast and jam segment. I think we need to get really fucked up and start listening to music, and I think it will appear itself. Well, that's I'm I'm I'm, I'm game for that. Uh, that. That would be Studio 33, in case you're interested. After that's the, right. Yeah. So, all right. So we are to the okay. We are in the toast and jam segment, and so this is this is usually the place where we talk about rideshare uh, stories. That's right. So uh, I did not realize that I had rideshare stories till I started talking to Phone Boy, and he went, "This is toast and jam. This is toast and jam." So the first thing, this has been sitting now. All right. I need to explain how we do things. Because we are members of the Apple cult, we have a shared list that anytime one of us adds something to, the other one is made aware of it, and both of us can see what is on this list. So we have one called Toast and Jam because as I'm out doing things, if something happens that I want to talk about on the show, I will put it in that list, or I try to. We have been bad about checking this list. So for easily probably two months, and that's not an exaggeration, I have had a thing in there that was called Saving for Hooker. And Phone Boy questioned the other day, what is that? Because he opened the list because I had added something new to it for a change. And he was like, what is this? So I told him the story and and I said, I don't know if I should tell it. He goes, oh, no, that's an evergreen. You got to tell that one. So the story is thus. As I've told you all before, the um, off ramps for probably even some of the on ramps, but basically the off ramps in Nashville, you would be hard pressed not to find someone who is panhandling on these. And they often have signs 
you know, anything helps, God bless, blah, blah, blah. I have seen a few <clears throat> that rather impress me because you have the ones that say, not going to lie, need a beer, um, being honest, need money for weed. The one that so far has the top spot, what the actual fuck did I just see, was a man holding a sign, saving for a hooker. Now, I did not give this man money, obviously, but I did. T and I should have, honestly, because I took from him the entertainment that sign gave me. So in the value for value model, I probably should have thrown the guy a couple bucks because it was funny as hell to see somebody who actually was putting it out there. Look, I need to get my rocks off. It's going to cost me X. So, you know, I, I got to at least respect the guy for that. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, that, 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 I mean, that's an interesting way, uh, you know, that is actually an interesting way to look at those signs, right? Is if the, if the sign entered, you know, because, because you know, there's, there's a certain amount of bullshit there, but if they do something that you haven't seen before that you think is fucking hilarious. Yeah. That's actually, so, that, you know, if you feel like you want to give, you want to give five bucks to some guy with a sign for that, that that's, that's, that's actually a, I never thought of it that way. That's actually, that's actually fantastic at the value for value world, which I need to probably write down as a show title. Well, um, you know, I will, I will say what I actually have thought about was because it's not that expensive and I can't afford it, even though it's getting more fucking expensive, buying a loaf of bread, a pack of bologna and a pack of cheese <clears throat> and just passing out bologna and cheese sandwiches to the people who are on these off ramps. If you are truly down and just trying to get to your next day, you're going to appreciate that food. Now I understand a lot of them are there because they have drug addictions or they have alcoholism or they have something that they've landed on their ass and they can't get up or some of them won't get up. See the other half of that is these motherfuckers are making more than I am. These motherfuckers are clearing six fucking figures tax free. And I'm busting my ass 14 and 16 hours a fucking day just to scrape by. Something fucking wrong about that. Here's your cue to boost. You know you want to. Yeah. That's right. Listen to the famed Dame Jennifer and boost. Yeah, we love we love your boostagram. So So here's a little value for value that'll make you all laugh, I guarantee. So we all know Phoenix is not supposed to be eating hot fresh garbage. Um I wanted a biscuit the other day. Fuck off. So I went to Hardee's because they have this new biscuit that has twice the bacon, twice the cheese, and twice the, oh my God, I still should not be eating this. But the long story short is that I got one and I'm driving and I thought I felt something in my shoe. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because it used to be where the shoes are kind of near the cat litter box and my cat can't help but just sling it everywhere when he comes out the box. As he shakes his paws. So I'm like, what the hell have the cats gotten into my shoe? But then I thought about it. I'm like, no, my shoes are literally on the top tier of the new shoe rack that phone boy got. There should not be anything in my shoe. So as I'm driving down the interstate with cruise control on, I untie my shoe and take my sneaker off. And I look in my sneaker, folks. There was a fucking piece of biscuit in my sneaker. I... 
can't make this up. <laughs> I'm on the phone with Tigger, and she literally says to me, I've heard of hiding the evidence, but that's ridiculous. I couldn't. What? Contend. I couldn't. I just couldn't contend. It was one of the funniest things at that very moment. Like, she is not wrong. Even though I <laughs> had a conversation with her about the fact that the first person who's ever made me feel comfortable enough to be fully honest with them and not feel like I had to lie in order not to catch wrath has been phone boy. I can literally tell him, yeah, babe, you know, yeah, babe, I ate a biscuit or yeah, I had Chinese food or something like that. He's not going to yell at me. He's not going to berate me. He's not going to feel like I fucked up because my body's going to do that for me. And that's more or less what he will say is I don't have to give you shit. Your body will do it for you. I'm I'm not going to judge you. You're an adult. You know what that's going to end up feeling like at the end of the day. You know, accountability. So I never feel like I can't be honest with him if I quote unquote cheat, fall off the wagon, whatever it is when it comes to what I'm eating. So I just thought it was really funny of all the things to find in my shoe. And I couldn't wait. When I put it on the list, I was impatiently waiting for here or for him to see this and be like, okay, I got to know the story behind this. And he was so damn busy the day that this happened that he saw it come across his watch and just thought, oh, okay, wonder what that's about. And never thought about it again until that I was on my way home that night and I was like, did you happen to see this on the list? He was like, you know, I did. He was like, I was real busy when it came through, but I meant to ask you, what the fuck is up with that? Yeah. <laughs> so I told him the story. There you go. Well, that's anyway, it's, it's a groovy story. Now, the, the, now you also uh, got some, uh, you also got some good stories from this, this next. Uh, oh my God. Uh, this prior. was, this was really groovy to be honest. So I pick up a guy at the airport and we're driving and we're chit-chatting. Long story short, this guy's a bus driver and is telling me stories about when he drove Tool, when he drove Corn. Uh, he's been out with several country acts, including Brantley Gilbert. Just really awesome guy to talk to. And, you know, we got to talk about the Podfather because he's of that age that, you know, he remembers Headbangers Ball and back when Adam had this great poofy blonde hair and he was fucking adorable and had this great Dutch accent. And am I crushing on the Podfather? Hey, hey, I hope he, the hell I, not. You know, I mean, seriously, he is a good looking man. I, I'm, I'm he's not... a good looking man. Tina is one lucky woman. Yes, yes. absolutely. Of course he is too. Have you seen her? Dad? Yeah, yeah. Well, the woman looks fantastic. And I, bet, I bet she, yeah, I bet she looks better after doing that 75 hard shit. Oh, no kidding. She's probably like totally got this great ab thing going on. Yeah. And I mean, she looked great before. How do you improve on perfection? Well, but I mean, we, we love the pod father. We love the pod mother. She is fantastic. He is amazing. I love the fact I get to brag that the pod father is officiating our wedding when we finally get to that yeah. stage of our relationship. Yeah, we're, we're not, yeah. We, 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 yeah. Actually, actually, no joke. Your, uh, your, your uh, oldest asked me that question. Uh, the, Shut up. He did not. He did. You did not tell me about this. No, I did not. Heads, I'm hearing about this for the first time. I want you to know. Spill it. 
Now you done Owen Cork the bottle, baby. Yeah. Let the genie out. Yeah, what I, the I, fuck did he, he say? He just he just kind of asked the question. I said, well, you know, we got some things we got some things to work through first. And he, you know, did he ask when or if? He, I think it was, his question was when, and I'm like, well, it's, I don't really what? know. If, yeah, he was. He was. It was a win. This boy has balls. Oh my god! How rude! I want to apologize on behalf of my horribly bad mannered uh, son I, for asking you that question. Uh, I'm offended. On uh, your behalf, I am offended. That is none of his fucking business. That is between you and I, and frankly, it's more between you than I yeah. because I'm not going to know about it until there it is. Yeah, and I don't think anybody else should either, for that matter. Yeah, well, I, yeah, like I, unless you decide you want to, no, like, you I, just I don't, like I don't, have to get it out I, to somebody. Like, oh my god, I just have to tell somebody I'm doing this. Yeah, no. short of that, no, no, I'm, I'm not, not kind of offended. No, it's just it's not something I talk about because it's not something that I'm not, I'm not at a stage where I'm ready to do that, and I don't know exactly when that's going to be. Folks. And again, we've talked about the fact. Okay, <laughs> I'm not in a hurry. You and I have both ridden that ride before. Okay, and we know it's an inevitable ride we're going to take, but there is a shit ton of other stops that need to be made before we get to that one. So, I mean, I think we may have to have a family sit down like, look, get it out now because stop asking these fucking questions. I'm I'm I, I am. I'm sitting here offended that my mother and my oldest son and I don't even know if my youngest son has has pulled that yet. But at least two members of my family have been so rude as to ask you that question. I'm I'm gobsmacked. You'll you'll have to excuse me. Talk amongst yourselves. Well, I mean that is a uh, and I mean uh, yeah. I mean it was like yeah. It was, it's not something I really. It's not something I have an answer to. So it's a, it was an it was an easy question for me to just not. But honey, yeah. that's not the. Point, I understand the okay? point you're. I understand that's not the. I understand this point you're making. One, it's none of their fucking business. Yeah. If I'm going to be frank about it, yeah, that's. It's between you and I. And and, and as much as I bust your balls about the yeah. fact, the reality behind the mic, in our. You know, right. non-podcasting life. When is that exactly? <laughs> anyway. What time is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we're sleeping and maybe not even then. Yeah, so. God knows if we have a dream, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, pr pretty but much. Irrelevant to the fact. Just I'm I, I'm I'm not feigning this. I am genuinely offended that my family finds it necessary to be so intrusive as to ask you that question. I, I find it rude. I find it intrusive and I find it to be none of their fucking business and a boundary that they need not cross again, because that's a very rude question to ask you. It is completely your decision on when and if you do that. And I, I just don't know what to say right now. Yeah. Well, boundary issues are a thing, right? And then we, it's, Amen I, I to think that. we'll just leave, we'll just leave it at that. So we shall. All right. Um, well, one of the other interesting things that has happened as a result of, uh, the result of your, your son and, and his other half and, and their two cats moving in. Number one, our allergies are going fucking insane. I can, I, well, we expected that though. Yeah. I didn't, re I didn't realize how bad it's. I mean, I'm having to take allergy medicine daily now and it's, and I don't like doing that, but it is what it is. However, one other thing that's happened, and I and, and so I so uh, Monday morning, I, I or not Monday morning it was um, no, it's not. 
No, it was I'm trying. Okay, it was the morning. I had a meeting, and uh, it was probably Wednesday. It was like Wednesday or Thursday. So I come upstairs. I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. So I come upstairs, and my roadcaster is off. Now my roadcaster is never off. My roadcaster is almost always on, right? Because and and I don't need to keep it on. I probably don't need to keep it on. However, it is plugged now. It is plugged into a UPS, and so and I now I had forgotten this fact, and so when I was trying to power on my roadcaster, UPS it wouldn't pow- being uninterruptible power source. Yes. It, it, yeah, it's basically battery backup for a few things, right? And we we did this to re, uh, increase the resiliency of the stream and all of that. So, um, problem is, is that uh, their their cats are fucking insane, and they like run around the house at high speed. And I believe that during one of their little uh, run around sessions, that they they managed to get their foot on the top of the UPS where the power button is, and it powered off my UPS. Now, here's the problem is th- that I, f- I found this out about two minutes before I had to be on a Zoom call. And so, and I don't know what's, and I ha- I'm still trying to work out what's going on. And, and so I'm like, okay, well, I need to join this call. So I got, so I got out my phone and I put my ear- AirPods in and I'm like, all right, I'll get on Zoom on my phone, right? Because uh, I, I have access to that stuff on, on my phone. And so I'm doing that while I'm trying to troubleshoot all of this. And it wasn't a big deal. We got, I got it all sorted out and, you know, and, but, uh, that was one of those things um, that uh, you, that uh, happened sometimes. Yes, we've, we're, and we've also discovered some other issues with the cats, and so now we've got lots of uh, closed doors and upside down laundry baskets. Uh, and we've also gotten those rubber door stops where if you don't want the door to be able to be pushed open by a cat because due to the weather change, gotta love living in the south, the doors during part of the year will close all the way. And then during other parts of the year, you can't get it to latch. So we have the little stoppers that prevent the door from being able to be opened. That way the cats cannot go in the room when we're not in there. And when we are in there, the only cat that is allowed is Kashmir. And he's good about the fact that if he wants out, he's not going to pee or poo or anything in the room. He's going to go and he's going to tap the door handle. And I assure you, you will be woke up if you hear the tapping of the door handle because he's fucking relentless. He'll tap it. He'll wait a couple minutes. He'll tap it again. And this is a repeated activity until you get the fuck up and decide I'm going to let this fucking cat out before I kill him. And then, of course, your bladder goes, hey, by the way, while you're up, you should probably empty me. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so we've had to make a few changes around here now. And there, now, one of the other things that happened is I opened the cabinet the other day and I find a, a box of, uh, of ramen. Yes, which is, it belongs to the oldest and his other half, and that's fine. I told him. I said, here's a cabinet you can keep some of your stuff in. Nobody in the house is going to fuck with your stuff because we don't eat that stuff. And, of course, Mr. Phone Boy... Uh, Captain Wisteria Lane, Mr. White Privilege himself. What does he happen to say when he sees this? Oh, that's the cheap ramen. (laughs) I said, fuck you, Silver Spoon. I happen to have enjoyed eating that ramen. And your response was, what is it if it's not Sapporo? If it's not Sapporo Ichiban, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Pretty much. That's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I realize that stuff's a little bit more expensive. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, but I, but yeah, I don't need it. It's, uh, I'm, yeah. His, his entitlement is showing. Yes. Well, now I have, okay. Now I get to talk about um, liquid soap. So, uh, this he's, is, y- y'all, he's raising the table over here. He's so excited. Yes. So uh, over the, uh, so, 
Oh, I'm trying to remember when I actually got the got it finally going this week, uh, but it was. Uh, um, you know, I almost want to say it was yesterday. No, I've had like, it, I've had it going for several days. I'd have to I'd actually have to go look and see. Oh no no no! Yesterday was when you did the final out for rideshare radio and everything worked like a fucking well no, it looks machine. like okay so it looks like okay so it looks like it did this on tuesday because that is because that is i'm looking i'm looking on the icecast server as we speak so the the the, the stream started on uh, on tuesday uh and it has been and has remained continuous now as you know during the hours where we are not broadcasting uh we we usually have music playing right well now it's so it used to be what i'd have to do is i'd have to i'd have i'd be i have a computer here that would be streaming that music up to the cloud for everybody else right i don't and, and i don't don't need to do that. Um, so, cause one of the things that liquid soap lets you do is well to do that kind of shit. And so, and it also allows me to, so I, so the, the stream can stay up 24 seven with, with, and, it, and it's streaming music and plays a couple of jingles here or there. No, oh, by the way, if you, uh, I'd like to actually put some promos on our stream. And uh, if you, if anybody wants to uh, record a promo for them, uh, for our stream, uh, that would be absolutely amazing. And I assure you, we pay in fiat fund coupons and also Bitcoin, a little bit of Satoshis. So do us a little value for value. We'll do you a little value for value. Give us some promos. We want to hear you talk about listening to the Lotus Effect. We want to hear what it is like for you to experience the Lotus Effect. That's right. And so we do have, so yes, I, I have that set up. And then I've also got it so that I can break in at any time and do my shit, right? And you can do it from your phone. And I can do it from my phone. I mean, I basically, I, basically the stream is up and I can just connect into it, which is kind of the way the No Agenda stream works. And I think the No Agenda, the No Agenda stream also uses uh, liquid soap. And I actually have, uh, um, and uh, I think uh, Sir Bemrose uh, published the scripts that they use for it i ended up i i base i ended up publishing mine i'll have to find it and i'll put it in the show notes but the um so i have it i have the uh i published the script that i created that effectively does it and so what happens is, is yeah so it, I, i've you know there's a bunch of stuff you have to do but i so i've i've got my you know folder full of music on the server i've got you know i've got a folder full of jingles and anytime i change anything in there it automatically updates the list so it'll play you know play a bunch of the music and then it'll play one of the jingles and you know and do that until i connect in and then when I connect in, it'll, you know, it goes live. And so it's, uh, but, it, but if, and if I disconnect, it'll play, a, it'll play a sound and then it will just go back to the music stream. Right. So it's, it's a pretty simple, uh, it's a pretty simple setup, right? I'm not doing any, any other complicated stuff, but the fact is it all now runs in the cloud. So it is so cool. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, I've got a system set up here that it's for, for various reasons, it is on a VPN. And so, um, and, and there was, as the result of that VPN is that, is that when I'm listening to the stream on it, it's actually got about a 40 second delay, which, which was, which would, so last night I was actually, I, I realized this, I realized that there was a, a significant enough delay that I could actually, you know, so I could see how it was transitioning between songs and how I, and how I, um, sounded um and, and not and so it was kind of that instant feedback loop so i could see okay how can i improve the the, the, the overall quality of this because i can hear it over you know because i've got something that is uh, listening to it um you know and so i can i can quick turn it back up you know after the song's over and see if how i how i did you know it's it's just kind of a neat it's just a neat thing to have well you know do you know how bad you sound yes i know how bad i sound. now you do that's right now um there was a comment last night in our in in the in our uh, rideshare radio uh, chat uh, about that Nam had made about um, so the the concept of a parallel society and I wanted right. and I and 
this is part of the, this came as a result of a conversation that you and I were having about the Kathy O'Brien stuff. Right. And, right. and so I think, you know, what the, the conclusion we came to, and, and there, there was a bunch of stuff discussed, but the conclusion we claim came to is basically pretty, pretty much most of, most of society is compromised on, on various levels. Right. A hundred percent. Yes. So the, again, and, and I don't give a shit if people get pissed at me, y'all, really need to get a hold of this book trans t-r-a-n-s formation of america t-r-a-n-c-e i'm sorry yes t-r-a-n-c-e formation of america kathy o'brien i'm telling y'all this shit is gonna absolutely melt your minds you will never see the new world order the same again and when you realize how far back, how deep dug in this shit is, man, I'm telling you what, if you're religious, pray, if you're not get there, because if they implement this, we're all fucked. Yeah. So I think so I, it raises the question that, you know, that basically the people that are in charge of society and pretty much all the all, all the sort of the control mechanisms that you know the government at, at all levels of government and entertainment and everything the entire system is fucked basically so you've got so you can do what you at a very high level right in terms of direction you can take one of two directions you can say we can try and fix that system right which I, I think we can I think we can all look at that situation and go well, how are we going to affect this this bigger system that, that's in play that's in so many places not possible to do so you can pretty much ignore that other thing. But here's the thing. Okay, what, what I'm about with this is we all we all sit there and we recognize that there's a problem and everybody more or less says the exact same thing. I'm only one person. What the fuck can I do? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can do the same thing that the next person next to you who thinks the same way can do. And the person after that, get the word out, spread the information be the town crier, be the fucking conspiracy therapist that Adam and John are crafting us to be. The Our world depends on people getting woke the fuck up to what's really going on and stop sticking your heads in the sand, burying them like ostriches because you don't want to see the horrors that are in front of you. Truly, I know you don't want to see that speeding train coming at you, but the only way you're going to be able to sidestep it is to open your eyes and realize it's not as close as you think it is, but it could be in a heartbeat. Take action now. Don't wait. Because what's going on behind the scenes is caught. I mean, again, Epstein did not kill himself. And when you listen to what the hell this woman went through, it's clear as day that he didn't kill himself. Yeah. So yeah, th- I, I didn't mean to go off on a, on a thing. I, I apologize. Just I'm I'm so lit on fire by this book and the documentary and the shows that we've been doing. You know, me and Hempress Emily M on this woman, I, and because it finding out, listening to this book that Tennessee has a huge tie to this story scares the shit out of me. Especially because both of my children spent numerous years in the school system in this state. Yeah. Well, so, but this gets into the comment of, 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 so basically, basically we, we, so we have, we have determined that society is jolly well fucked. There's not a goddamn thing we can do about it. So what we But can... I don't agree with that phone. Boy. Okay. Well, I that, don't uh, think it's, I, yes, I think it's jolly well fucked, 
But I do okay, think well, we can uh, do uh, something listen, about it. Li- well, why don't you listen and let me finish what I'm saying? Because this is exactly what you do. So you can either you can either try to fix society, which we've determined we can't do, or create another one. And so, and and Nam sparked this because co- we were. I think we we got into sort of joking about being you know racist, you know, racist or prejudiced or whatever. And I said, well, oh yeah, yeah. I, I said, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not prejudiced. I hate everyone equally. <laughs> That's exactly what I have said for a good long while. No, but what Nam said, the only people I don't hate are the beautiful people in this parallel society. And that's, that's what, that is the whole thing that sparked this conversation is that comment. And and then when we started talking about, you know, so, cause we, I won't get into what we were talking about, but, but we were talking about something that was like, well, you know, how do you basically it was, it, it, it prompted this whole question of, okay, well, if you're in an unwinnable situation, how do you, how do you win? Right. Or how do you get, how do we, how do we move forward? We, we can't just be jolly well fucked, right? There's, there's gotta be something we can do and what we can you, do is to speak in tech terms. You got to find the back door. Yeah. Find the back door or the go around the work around or, or build or build a new thing, you know, find the back door is a show title. Find the back door. Okay, yeah. I can, I can do that. That so. could be interpreted in many ways and I don't give a fuck how it's interpreted. I know how it was stated. Yeah, exactly. And you'll have to listen to the show to, to know how it was stated. Yes, exactly. So, all right, well, we'll, have to you know in terms of like what was stated here i think it's time for some voicemails i think so too yes we 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 asked you all this this week in our in our refire topic uh, tell us about your favorite smoking apparatus and that, that that was the way it was stated so there's probably a few ways that this question could be interpreted i would think absolutely and if you want to weigh in it's not too late two five three two three seven three three two one we will actually open the phone lines and take live calls so if you want to weigh in on what your favorite smoking apparatus is however you you interpret that question, call 253-237-3321 and tell us. Uh, much like this caller did. What's up, everybody? This weirdo. Um, this call is coming from inside the house, so I hope it's not all distorted. Um, hi. Uh, hi. The question is, favorite smoking apparatus or apparatus. Um, I, I, I prefer, uh, um, a swisher or a paper, to be honest. Um, I know that smoking, quote unquote, is becoming considered archaic these days. You know, that's what old people do. Nowadays, people have their vapes and their edibles and their tinctures and their oils, which is all good and whatever. I love them all. But uh, I just prefer a nice like paper. Pokemon. You got to catch them all. If it's really good, you know, I like to put it in a glass bowl, a clean glass bowl. That way you got all the the good, tasty, taste goods. Um, yeah, clean is important. Yeah. Other than that, I, I enjoy... I have several bongs, like little percolators, you know. Um, I used to be signed up for one of those subscription boxes. It was a 420 box, and every month I got a new little bong uh, about the size of a pop bottle, you know, 20-ounce pop bottle or whatever, and they're pretty neat. Um, but I, I learned when I first started smoking that if I try to smoke out of a bong, you know, like, and that's, I don't. I, they tend to give me a headache, so I shy away from bongs for the most part. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna in, in, inject fat lines of THC bongs into my body in various areas. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anyway, hope everybody's happy and healthy and making the best of it. Love you. Bye. 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 We love you too, weirdo. And that's groovy. You know, I um, I I've talked about when Phone Boy and I go to the cottage for our unwind time, our disconnect time. Um, I'll roll up shit like a tin full of like I'll roll some quarters. I'll roll some one and a quarters. Or no, sorry, I'll I'll roll some one and a quarters and some kings. And just, we don't bring our glassware. Uh, the less evidence you have <clears throat> when you're in a state that's not legal and uh, we don't want to lose the ability to rent this cottage that we adore so much if the owners are not okay with that activity. So it's kind of on the DL hush-hush and such. But yeah, I'm I'm a fan of just you know, rolling one up. I, I love cones. Cones are like, oh my God. And I dig my rolling machine. It's kind of fun, but it, they, I just, the filters are a pain in the ass. Um, the papers don't want to roll correctly. Like I, I would just rather buy a pre-made cone, especially those ones where you pop the flavor bead. Oh, that makes a very nice smoking experience indeed. As long as the fucking thing doesn't canoe. Well, yeah, there's always that. Um, so, I, yeah, the uh, yeah, for me, I'm 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 more of a pipe guy, but um, you know, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I adore a couple of the pipes that we have obtained. Like last night was cool, snuggling in bed and passing back and forth. Um, Avatar. Avatar, yeah. I mean yeah. that that's a beautiful bonding experience with your with your snuggle bunny. Yes. Is is passing a pipe back and forth. And not like he hands it to me, I hand it to him. Like he's holding it and he just kinda gently guides it to my lips and lets me take a hit. It's really romantic and cute. Oh, there you go. Well all right. Well I don't know if I don't know about I don't know if this next caller is romantic or cute, but uh here we go. Hey guys, Rev here. Let's see, my uh my favorite smoking implement is actually a wax vaporizer. I use a uh, I use a Smoke Morph 3 box mod and an Evolve Plus XL vaporizer um, uh, atomizer. It's, just, it's 510 thread, so they fit really well together. Uh, we're talking like a week worth of battery life, so you can stay stoned for seven days straight. <laughs> Anyways, love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Love Bye. you too, Rev. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, Bye. I'll, I'll tell you, that dude right there, that dude, he is the one who introduced me to the Yocan XL that has a little dab wax uh, canister in the bottom of it, and it's got like a four or five coil um, heating element on it. No. I, oh, whew. It gets you there. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. a couple of hits off of the shatter or the wax or the sugar or whatever it is that you are putting in that thing. It only takes a couple of rips, just tiny little bit, just whoo. 
Yeah, well. But see, you don't like vapes and no, um, I don't. Things like that. So you would not be as fond or as likely to procure said product. No, I, I'm 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 a fan of green as as God made it. You know, and that, and, and I and honestly, I have to agree with you because of the fact that we talk about you know one of the big reasons that we think that marijuana should be able to be grown just like a tomato is because you don't have to fuck with it. All you do is you grow it, you dry it, you smoke it. There's no chemical interference. There's no science involved other than the science of herbology, you know, a little plant science. Above and beyond that, it's pure. It's like it's it's like the um, psilocybin, you know, you grow the shroom, you dry the shroom, you eat the shroom and you have a great day. So natural. Uh, yes. Um, so, you know, when you ask the question of which, what, so the, the, it is, it is ultimately, by the way, the picture I took of uh, freedom, which, which is, adorns the artwork for coffee and chronic, by the way, um, was actually taken at the cottage. As you, as, yes, it was. Yes. So even though we, yeah, we, I did, we didn't actually put in, I don't think we put any greenery in that, uh, in that, in, in that while we were, while we were there, but uh, we, uh, I don't know, because any pictures that we've ever taken of the glassware have been taken at a particular angle to ensure that you don't see any greenage in it that way, plausible deniability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, exactly. So... And I've been on mute the whole fucking time. Yeah! Awesome. So... What I said was... Yes, any pictures of the glassware that we have taken has been at an angle such that if there is green in it, that it is not able to be seen that way, plausible deniability. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, that, that's, I've always done that. Now, of course, now I was actually kind of surprised. Now we got, we'll get one more voicemail here. So um, we'll play it. I don't really like to smoke, but the few times I did. I used his pipe, and that's about the extent of it. Give me gummies any day. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you, Mama. Oh, love I, you some, too, some, Mama. Somehow it's comforting to know my 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 dad was a, was a pipe smoker. It makes me feel uh, I don't know. I feel better about my choice. Well, it just kind of is another reinforcement that you. Are a lot like your dad, which is a really good thing. Yeah, I think so too. Now, uh, and and I'm with you. Love me the gummies. Oh my god, especially a few that like that. Whew, so, I still go back to that grape one out of Michigan that was 50 milligrams, and well, I ate on an empty uh, stomach. Uh, okay. Okay, well, I'm surprised that uh, Christopher Battles hasn't called in and said that his favorite smoking apparatus was the smoker where he smokes his meat. But uh, yeah, Exactly. That, you know, we haven't gotten a voicemail from Christopher Battles in like two weeks. Kind of worried about the guy. Well, I think we've, we've kind of picked some we've picked some topics that he, he's he, he, we should we should see if we can find a Christopher Battles friendly topic for next week. That way we can get him to come back. We we literally every week look forward to that voicemail and. And of course, when it comes in, you know, we, we make a big deal out of it yes. because he's one of our favorite pedal yeah. heads. Yeah. And to not hear from him for a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm jonesing for some Mr. Christopher Battles. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's that fag talk we talked about. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. All right. Well, um, so 
Yes, so yes, my favorite is a, is a pipe, and actually the, the pipe in the, in the, that graces the cover of Coffee and Chronic is actually the, probably my favorite. Um, it was still, still my favorite is a free is Freedom. Um, although, I, I think because although, of although, its although, significance. Well, yes, that well, an Avatar. I, I I really do like Avatar. Is Avatar's got a fucking crater of a bowl. Yeah, they both have the same size bowls. That's why I like. So I like both of those bowls relatively equally. I have some smaller bowls up here in the studio. I'm currently, I'm, I'm Abba and I are currently having a, a, a some, um, you know, exchanging some green goodness as it is. Uh, so, um, but anyway, um, we do have the phone line. If you are in the, if you are listening right now, and you want to weigh in on this topic, uh, even whether whether you're listening live uh, on Lotus Effect.stream or if you're just listening to the thing, yeah, or if, you, if you're listening on No Agenda, yeah, or, or wherever, yeah, wherever you're listening, right, where, and whatever you're listening, give us a call at two five three two three seven three three two one and tell us about your favorite smoking apparatus. We're interested. That's right. in. We want to hear about. And it. if you, and if you want to tell us about your your meat smoker, that's okay too. That's, I want to talk about. Our meat smoker. Yes, I, yeah, the, I love our meat smoker. I know. Well, we'll have to talk about that in another. Um, we'll have to have. We'll have to have something to talk about in there. We we did the. You know, we did the uh, smoked turkey. Are you being funny? Oh, oh, we have a live call. Okay. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Hey guys, Rev here. Hey Rev. How's hey it Rev. I uh, I realized after I would left that message, I forgot to tell uh, everybody about Darth Dank. This is a sexy piece that I have seen in person. This is a, it's a glass pipe. It's not a bong or anything like that, but it's solid black. And it's, uh, it, it's kind of molded into the shape of the head of Darth Vader. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's black, it's Darth, it's Dank. It's a beauty piece. I was going to say, how does she rip? Oh, excellent. Uh, nice little carb on the side of it. Uh, the head, you turn it upside down, and you put the, the weed in the neck. And then uh, underneath it <clears throat> is a resin catcher, but it's also a little bit of a chamber. You can't put water in it or anything, but it, it holds a little bit of smoke in it. So when you're done and you clear it, it gives you that little bit of a kick in the, in the keister. And uh, uh, it hits really good. It rips like a motherfucker. That is so awesome. It uh, <clears throat> it reminds me of the new pipe that I have that I've had. You know, I've talked about for a while my aerial, and I've even posted pictures of it. The I've the, seen that. That's a pretty piece. Pretty, pretty, pretty. Very pretty, and it rips nice too. Cause that fat kind of circular part near the mouth. Uh, that holds a nice, like you were saying, when you when you clear it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, aerial. I, I like taking like taking hits out of aerial. Yes, I know you <laughs> like putting your mouth on aerial. You dirty, dirty man. Yes, I am. Put your mouth on my pipe and take a rip. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god. So I have to have my son uh, next week, and and I will actually send this to you uh, in the back channels. My son showed me this hilarious video. It's a video game, and it's two bongs, and it it's something like out, out rip each other or something like that. <laughs> this is funny as shit, because the reaction to this thing is, where the fuck do I get it, and who want to get their ass kicked? <laughs> right? Shut up and take my money. Yes, absolutely. Shut up and take my money. Can you imagine a party, and you've got this thing in the center of the floor? Like, 
absolutely iron lung competition all day long. Right? Yeah, it I'm pretty sure reminds it me that. of the, the bong that my brother made out of an old Bud Light party ball. I still think you are a total wizard that you made a bong out of a Mountain Dew 20-ounce <laughs> bottle. I had a 20-ounce uh, bottle, uh, Mountain Dew bottle, and a, uh, a little metal pipe and a bowl from an old, um, uh, you know, the aluminum screw-together uh, pocket pipes. I had a bowl from that. So I, I put it all together, a little bit of hot glue, and made myself a fucking bong out of a Mountain Dew bottle. <laughs> Max Stoner. Fuck MacGyver. You're Max Stoner. Hey, all I need is an apple and a pen, and I can make you a, a pipe. Okay, Willie Nelson. <laughs> Dude, there ain't nothing better. I'm sorry, but seeing... And I know it was fucking Hollywood theatrics, but see, seeing Willie take a rip off an apple bong in Dukes of Hazard was was absolutely worth the price of admission for that shit film. Yep. Oh, well, have you seen uh, Willie Nelson in uh, uh, Beer for My Horses? Oh fuck yes! I love Beer for My Horses. Not. I'm not talking the song. I'm talking no, the movie. No, I'm talking the movie. Yeah. The, oh, okay. The movie all right. Yeah, Rodney we're on the same and, page. Uh, right on. Toby and all that. Oh, fuck for the yeah. That that is a fantastic. He hotboxed that shit. Yeah, he did. Fuck yeah, he did. <laughs> I've I've heard. It, it, everybody knows how how much of a pothead Snoop Dogg is, and how much he smokes all day. Yeah. And I heard an interview with Snoop Dogg. And he was talking about meeting Willie Nelson and saying that Willie smoked him under the table. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> but I believe that. I absolutely believe that because I, I believe it too. Got numerous years of smoking on Snoop. Snoop wasn't even a fucking swimmer in his daddy's nutsack when Willie was blazing. Yep. But anyways, I figured I'd better call in and tell everybody about Darth Dank. Fuck yeah, we're glad that you did, because that is a sweet piece. Are, are you ever going to get that damn calabash pipe that you've been talking about? If I can ever find a glass blower who's willing to put a bowl that is deeper than a half an inch and wider than a half an inch on a fucking calabash made out of glass. Yeah, I will. Nice. Well, you heard it, guys. If you if anybody is or knows a glass maker that or glass blower that's willing to meet those specifications, you can find him at, at Rev Cyber Trucker on No Agenda Social. Hit this man up. Let him know. Do some biz. I'm sure that's he right. Can I'm sure. It, money is but isn't an option. For something like that, I expect to pay anywhere from 40 to $80. So I'm not exactly unprepared for the price. Right. What's the max so, you'd pay, though? I'd say about somewhere between 90 and 100 but it's got to be a fantastic motherfucking piece for me to pay 100 bucks for it. Fair enough. But I, but if it is a fantastic motherfucking piece, I'll I'll put out a grip for it, no problem. Awesome. There you go. Maybe uh, maybe you'll be contacted in the near future, and somebody will make this dream come true for you. <laughs> Five years and counting. <laughs> Ouch. That's a that's a that's dedication, though. 
Well, it's it's a style of pipe that I really like, and I wanted one made out of glass. I've just never been able to find one that's suitable for smoking um, tobacco out of. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, anyways, we'll talk to y'all later in the pod. You know, all yeah, that in jazz. the pedals, whatever the what, <laughs> yes, whatever, yeah, in into something. <laughs> In the podcast. Yeah, into something. Into something. Yes. In, into something is, is definitely, you know. Exactly. So thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Rev. You're welcome. All right. Later. Bye. Bye. There we go. Oh, uh, there you go. Weirdo's fucking hooking shit up. Okay. Look so, at that. Weirdo's, weirdo's got a thing. Talk to Dame Black Loca. There you go. There you so, go. So Making connections. Did you guys, was there a show title spoken just a second ago? Because I my brain thought there was one, and my, my that flag got set in my brain, but I can't. The register, I, I would have to explain the joke of because you probably don't understand. But I, I don't remember what I, what, what I was supposed to write down. And you expect I do. Well, I said something clever there. And, oh, geez. You're right. You know what? You might actually have to go back and listen to your own recording to know what the hell clever you said. Well, you'd know that if you listen oh, to my no. podcast. Oh, oh, oh shit. What? Oh, what? We never pushed the oh, button. Well, okay. Well, we've got this. Yeah, that's that we, we fly, flying without a net. Okay. So. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, we are. Look at I, that. I can assure you we are recording over here because this is because, yes, it, it, it is. That is doing that. But yes, we forgot to do that. Yeah, that is that is a problem. But um, yeah, we 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 forgot. But anyway, uh, I think we I think we can probably <laughs> move on to the next segment. I'll take a drink, and I, my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I, I like to smoke reefer. You know, it relaxes me and everything. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not freebase cocaine. That's right. We do not freebase cocaine. But we ripped the shit out of some bud. But check out this bud that uh, Phone Boy's going to tell you about. So we've all heard about how THC can give you the munchies. But did you know that there's another cannabinoid that can give you the unmunchies? The unchies. Uh, tetrahydrocannabinivarian uh, T- or THCV has shown such promise for controlling diet and weight loss that is that it has been patented. Okay, well, I'm curious how that works. While THCV wasn't one of the first cannabinoids discovered like CBN or CBD, it was part of the second wave of cannabinoids identified during the 1960s and 1970s like CBG. Specifically, THCV was first discovered by Edward Gill and a team of researchers in 1970 who found it in a sample of cannabis tincture, which was of, of uh, a legal medicine in the UK at the time. The name uh, tetrahydrocannabinivarian uh, or, or whereas THCV was coined by Mercus in a study the following year. Once related and unique find, or one related and unique finding about THCV came from this 2023 study, which found THCV and its metabolites were endowed with the advantages of blood-brain barrier penetration compared to THCA. In other words, THCV had an easier time passing through the blood-brain barrier than THCA, the precursor of THC. So whether or not THCV produces feelings of intoxication, it does seem to have an easier time impacting the brain than THCA. Now. And since its discovery more than 50 years ago, much has been I learned about the medical effects of THCV, with the bulk of research focused on the ability to combat obesity and aid people suffering from diabetes. In 2013, a team of researchers from uh, GW Phar- Pharmaceuticals found that THCV is a new potential treatment against obesity-related glucose intolerance, which could make it a benefit to people with type 2 
diabetes. Now, some of the same researchers followed up on their study with a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study and found that THCV helped with glycemic control in subjects with type 2 diabetes. Since then, multiple teams of other researchers have added to the growing body of evidence that THCV is a benefit to those with type 2 diabetes. Well, so that sounds interesting. Now, the... Uh, the researchers also highlighted THCV's benefits to those with obesity or looking to diet. And it's a novel compound with hypophagic uh, properties. Uh, let's see. I'm trying, uh, okay, wait, wait a minute. So they said it's not with hypophagic properties and a potential treatment for obesity. And in 2015, other GW affiliated researchers found that THC had therapeutic activity in obesity, perhaps with a lowered risk of depressive side effects. Now, that mention of depression is in reference to a Ramona Bant, a CB1 antagonist, an inverse agonist that was briefly on the market. Uh, before being pulled in 2008 because it caused depression and suicide. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> yes. Another team of GW researchers were the first to find that THCV uh, decreases resting rate um, functional connectivity in the default mode network of the brain, which suggests possible therapeutic activity of THC, uh, THCV for obesity. Now, additionally, THCV has been shown to have benefits to those suffering from Parkinson's disease, schizophrenia, cancer, pain, inflammation, and untreatable epilepsy. Finally, some research has indicated that both THCV and CBD can, uh, um, it can modulate the effects of THC via direct blockade of cannabinoid CB1 receptors, similar to renomabant, but without the unwanted medical health impacts. Now, given all this promising research on THCV, it should be no surprise that there are several patents on this cannabinoid in plants that produce it. As much of the research on THCVV was done by a G, a GW, they hold many of the patents. And in 2002, GW first applied for their patent on THCV extracts, which they reapplied for several times before ultimately withdrawing it. In 2005, they applied for two still active patents on THCV in the treatment of obesity, schizophrenia, epilepsy, cognitive disorders such as Alzheimer's, bone disorders, bulimia, obesity, treated with type 2 diabetes, not insulin dependent diabetes, and in the treatment of a drug, alcohol, and nicotine abuse or, uh, or dependency. In 2009, a GW applied for a still pending patent on the using THCV and CBD to treat epilepsy. In, in 2011, they applied for a now published patent on THCV in production of insulin and blood glucose and diabetes. Well, yeah, I mean, somebody's making money off of it, but... Um, yeah, but I mean, are, are we talking about synthetic or natural? That's is what, I, what I want to know. Yeah, exactly. There's a reason I want the stuff as God gives it to us. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and this this story really highlights. I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. Yeah. Because who knew about this before now? That's right. I mean, we're just now hearing about this, but you know the. <laughs> The other thing that we're not hearing about... Your Honor, I object! And why is that, Mr. Reed? Because it's devastating to my case! I actually, I, 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 it was funny because I, now I, I had clipped uh, liar liar previously, and I did not, I did not pull that clip. But um, we were trying to find something that that I thought would, uh, would I, I thought would work here, and I and knew, it worked beautifully. And, 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 we, and I, I went, you know, found it on YouTube. So there you go. Um, so a twenty-year Australian study has found no evidence to suggest cannabis reduces illicit opioid use, and it may not be an effective long-term method for reducing harm for those with an opioid use disorder or problematic use of opioids. Um, 
published in the American Journal of Psychiatry, the University of Sydney-led study is one of the longest of its kind. Between 2001 to 2022, the study involved a group of 615 people with heroin dependence, many of whom also use cannabis. Hold up. Stop the fucking bus. First of all, you are comparing replacing heroin with marijuana. Um, no, 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 no. The way this study reads, when I hear the term opioid, I think of things like Oxycontin, hydro, um, like hydros, stuff like that. Okay. I'm not thinking heroin. I, I think this is a bogative bullshit study. Yeah. Well, I think so too. Um, uh, so um, additional analysis found no consistent evidence between cannabis and other opioid use, including opioids that were prescribed. Now, opioid use is currently responsible for more death and disability than any other illicit drug. Opioid and cannabis use disorders make up approximately 77 percent of all illicit drug disorders. And they're grouping those together, which I find interesting. I don't think that's a you know. Uh, you know, thing. But to examine the impact of cannabis on opioid use and vice versa, researchers used a recently developed statistical technique, which makes this bullshit, of course, has allowed them to account for influential factors on opioid and cannabis use in the data, such as age, and made it possible to focus on individual changes in substance use over time. So, it, again, it's only a model, folks. Another key finding was that cannabis use is common among those with an opioid use disorder, and so there must be clinical s services that offer additional support for people who would like to reduce <laughs> cannabis use. Uh, I don't want to reduce cannabis use. I'd like to maybe increase it a little bit if, if it's all the same to you. Um, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Opioid, opioid use disorders are complex and unlikely to be resolved by a single treatment, said lead author Dr. Jack Wilson from the Malt, uh, Matilda Center for Research in Mental Health and Substance Use at the University of Sydney. The best way to support them is evidence-based holistic approaches that look at the bigger picture and include physical, phys physiological and pharmacological therapies. So, okay. You had me up till the pharmacological therapies. I'm, I'm good with you helping them holistically in, in so much as physical and psychological. We need to add in there. How about we work on their diets too? remember what you're putting into your body affects not only your weight, but also your mental health. Exactly. Um, so something that can definitely affect your mental health as well. I'm really kind of a lightweight. If you got a beer or some, even some wine, it's not really my thing. Bullshit. Go! Inhale! Go! Go! Harder! Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a movie that I think is called Bong Hits. I found that out of that. We're going to have to watch this behind the mic at some point. Yes, exactly. Now, the increased legalization of cannabis over the past several years can potentially increase its co-use with alcohol. Otherwise, known as getting crossfaded. Uh, cir uh, concerningly, very few studies have looked at the effects of these two drugs when used in combination. In a series of new studies, researchers at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, used rats to understand how brain structures and behavior can change when cannabis and alcohol are taken together. Now, most, re most researchers have studied the effects of either alcohol or THC, primarily a psychoactive drug in, in cannabis alone. However, when people, especially adolescents, use these drugs, they often do so in tandem. Um, 
Uh, we even when researchers study the uh, the co-use of these drugs, it involves injecting the animals with the drugs, which does not mirror what happens in humans. Truth. Yeah, so the researchers used young male and female rats to mimic adolescents and humans. During feeding time, the animals were exposed to, to recreational doses of uh, THC that were coated on fudge brownie goldfish golden gra- gold, goldfish grams. I want to uh, be a rat. Yeah, no kidding. I read that. I'm like, fuck, that sounds really good. Um, but, but we know it's hot, fresh garbage. Uh, Completely, and, but I still need some fudge brownie goldfish grams in my mouth. Yes, and, and a sweet and a sweetened ten percent ethanol solution. Ugh, fake sugar. Yes, the control group of rats was fed just the just the cookie uh, just the cookies and sweetened water in addition to their regular food. So training them to eat the drug was simple. We mimicked the timing that humans are more likely to take the drugs at the end of the day. We did not deprive of them of food or water. They were given an alcohol bottle in place of their water bottle during the access period, and they preferred eating. The cookies over the regular chow, said Nu Chang Liang, an associate professor of psychology. Now, the effects were more pronounced in females, and they had higher levels of chemicals that are produced when THC is broken down. Even so, the influence of THC on memory was modest, Karika said. These uh, uh, volitional low to moderate doses of alcohol, THC, or or both drugs did not induce long-lasting serious cognitive effects. In this first study, the researchers were unable to expose the rats to higher levels of THC because the rats would ignore the THC-laced cookies. When you gave them higher doses, some animals just lost interest in the cookies, and it's unclear why. It's possible they don't like the higher doses, or there's something about the taste or smell that becomes adverse, Gully said. Now, although there were modest differences in behavior, the group still wanted to check whether anything had changed in the signaling pathways in the brain, especially at higher levels of THC. In the second paper, they did so by injecting alcohol-drinking or non-drinking adolescent rats with THC doses ranging from 3 milligrams to uh, to kilohertz to 20 milligrams a kilohertz. Similarly, on the first study, the injections and alcohol drinking were then stopped and the rats were tested once they react, reached early adulthood. Just like humans, rat brains undergo significant changes during adolescence, particularly in the prefrontal cortex, which helps them adapt to changing environments. The, the neurons in the prefrontal cortex modify their connections, a, a process referred to as synaptic plasticity from the end of adolescence into young adulthood, according to Gully. Now, the researchers wanted to test whether drug exposure during adolescence could change the ability of the brain to undergo synaptic plasticity as an adult. Therefore, they sacrificed the rats and measured the electrical signals generated in the brain. Wow, they, they sacrificed them. Well, okay. Um, now, we found that alcohol and THC together, t- together significantly reduced and in some cases prevented the ability of the free frontal cortex and drug-exposed rats to undergo plasticity in the same way that the brains from control animals can, said uh, uh, Lin Yuan Shi, a graduate student in the Gully Lab. Now, the effects were apparent in rats exposed to either drug alone, and they were most profound, pronounced with co-exposure to both drugs. We also found that impaired plasticity was likely due to changes in signaling caused by gamma amniobutyric acid, a, a chemical messenger in the brain. When yeah, Try to say that when you're stoned, folks. Um, when, when we used a chemical that enhances GABA, it could rescue the effects, the, the deficits we saw in the animals that had been exposed to the drugs. So... I, I find it disturbing that they're doing this to mimic adolescence. <clears throat> what the hell are adolescents doing consuming alcohol or THC? I'm, I know I sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but seriously, adolescence indicates like 13, 14, you know, 12. In, in, in that beginning age range, all the way up to 18. And, it, you know, once you reach 18, you're an adult. Prior to that, 
your ass don't need to be consuming alcohol because a it's illegal or thc same fucking reason and it fucks up the brains of kids who do this Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now, of course, um, this is pretty fucked up. Praise the Lord and pass the ball. We're winning the war on drugs. Okay, so Mama T found this story. We sent it to us uh, earlier today. A massive marijuana grow operation was found inside a Tennessee church after a weeks-long investigation, according to Stewart County Sheriff's Office. That's right. Our wonderful state has produced this. Yes, it has. You might, might, you know. So a search warrant was taken out against the church on Highway 46 in Indian Mound by the sheriff's office and the 23rd Judicial Task Drug Task Force. The investigation was launched a few weeks ago when neighbors of the church complained about a smell coming from the church. According to the sheriff's office, the church was originally built as a Methodist church. Oh, my God but was bought and turned into a new place of worship. The sheriff's office launched its investigation and conducted interviews of people who were seen coming and going from the church. They claimed that hemp was being grown in the church. After conducting interviews, SCSO, which is Stewart County Sheriff's Office, looked into the property's electric bill. The bill came out to about $3,000 a month, according to the sheriff's office. And along with a high water bill, the investigation took longer than expected because there was the possibility of booby traps being laid out for law enforcement. Well, of course, duh. So upon executing the search warrant, they found about 2,000 plants, both dried and live. And Sheriff Frankie Gray said that it's not a fly-by-night operation. Now, the sheriff's office did shut down the largest growing operation in the county's history and one person is in custody but there are more arrests that are expected to be made yeah they now you know they're going to claim that they burned all of that weed i think we all know what that is (coughs) bullshit they fucking selling it they smoking it Fuck Stewart County and the fact that they busted that shit. Bastards. Yes. Well, a crystal Methodist church. Oh, my God. I love that. The feeling that might be the show that title. Is, yes. That, that's fantastic. Okay. So how about, how about we go to the back of the napkin? Let's do it. iPhone, my phone. The way I see it, the only good phone's a landline, and the phone should be made out of Bakelite. Yeah. But uh, you know what's not made out of Bakelite? What to by Carl's Jr. Fuck you. I'm eating. Yeah, so everybody always wants to know what Phoenix is cooking. Not a fucking thing. It is a fend for yourself night. I have had such a long week and then putting together this wonderful show. I'm like, y'all are on your own. We had a late-ish kind of breakfast lunch. And if we're hungry, we'll just find something to nosh on. I'll I might cook tomorrow. I might not. At some point, I will cook, but it's not going to be tonight. Yeah, sounds sounds good. But what's uh, what's not going to? I guess uh, what's not going to be coming is uh, well, this. Okay, so 
So when one of the first Google Fiber ads, you got, I have to I have to find a link for this and put it in the show notes. I guess is, is this 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 ad that they did it was it was a you know the, the, this is this was advertising Google Fiber and it was a very well done. But they had the they had this the Cars song just what I needed from you know the, the and 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 they had it you know had it played out with uh, well the connection technology of the area you know, the, of the era. So it, and it gets it's it gets slow or it starts slow and it gets progressively faster. So anyway, that's but that's what but this is. This is a story about the the FCC that is moving slowly to update the definition of the broadband to something still pathetic. So, um, yeah, so uh, for for decades, the FCC has maintained an arguably pathetic definition of broadband, allowing the telecom industry to underdeliver substandard access. And despite some new rhetoric from the agency under Biden, that doesn't appear to be changing anytime soon. If anybody no. now, broadband was originally defined as any 200 kilobits per second connection. In 2010, that pathetic definition definition was changed to a slightly less pathetic definition, four megabits downstream, one megabits upstream. In 2015, it was changed to a slightly more reasonable but still pathetic 25 meg down three, downstream, three megs upstream, where it resides today. Now, that's... That would not be, that would not work very well in this house. I can assure you. Uh, for eight years straight, anybody, everybody from consumer groups to, G, to the GAO told the FCC that the sluggish twenty-five-three definition didn't reflect modern standards, and let the telecom industry get away with providing substandard service. Now, the Trump's FCC response was to propose lowering the definition even further. Now, recently, the Biden FCC proposed finally updating the definition of broadband to something more modern. Now, a recent notice of inquiry issued by the agency indicates they're looking at a hundred megabits um, per second downstream and 20 megabits upstream as the new standard. Now, they're just pushing the idea and seeking public comment. An actual update of the definition of broadband is still some distance away. Now, originally... Senators had prodded the FCC to impose a cleaner, symmetrical 100 megabits per second upstream and downstream standard to the definition of broadband. But after lobbying from cable and wireless companies that can't consistently deliver 100 megabits per second upstream, uh, that uh, the definition was weakened to help companies pretend their services are more cutting edge than they actually are. Uh, now, the FCC's notice of inquiry asks if the agency should maybe consider imposing a speed standard of 1 gigabits per second downstream, 500 megabits per second upstream. But industry watchers like Doug, Doug Dawson correctly note that it's hard to take the age, take the agency seriously on that front. Now, big ISPs have, of course, fought any effort to improve U.S. broadband speed metrics every, every step of the way. Now, keeping the definition of broadband set at ankle height helps obfuscate the industry's ongoing failure to deliver next generation broadband in a timely basis, despite billions in subsidies, tax breaks and regulatory favors that were all supposed to help deliver uniform broadband access. Well, he works in concert with the FCC's historically shitty broadband maps to obfuscate market failure, limited competition, and the perils of concentrated monopoly power. Better data and higher standards would highlight widespread market failure, prompting calls to hold concentrated telecom power accountable, and we certainly wouldn't want that. Now, when it comes to telecom policy, the GOP operates in absolute synchronized lockstep with widely disliked companies like AT&T and Comcast. The lion's share Democrats, in contrast, like to put on a good show that they care about the consumers in this equation, but the vast majority of proposals they push still wind up being long overdue and largely decorative. What a surprise. Yeah, exactly. Let me find my shocked face, much like this next thing. Not your keys, not your cheese. 
Yeah. Now this one is uh, this one's a little bit technical. Now this is now the, the phrase "not your keys, not your cheese" uh, is we we start talking we start talking about Bitcoin and, and, and that kind of thing. And this is not a Bitcoin story. This is about uh, a, a tool that the that, that dudes named Ben are familiar with called SSH. And in fact, there's a um, there is a, there there is a found a, a, a passive a, a, there is a, the ability to actually uh, you know I guess guess the private key of the of the of the of the SSH session when some of the equipment and uh, well that can be a problem. So now an academic study has shown now it's possible for someone to snoop on certain devices' SSH connections and, with a bit of luck, impersonate that equipment after slightly f- figuring out the host's private RSA keys. Now, by impersonating these devices in a man-in-the-middle attacks using uh, de- uh, deduced private host keys, the spy would be able to quietly observe users' login details and, by forwarding the connections to the real equipment, monitor those users' activities with the remote SSH servers. Now, SSH is typically used to log into a device and control it via a command line interface, though there are other uses. Now, we... We're told the private host RSA keys can be obtained by passively surveilling connections from clients to a vulnerable device's SSH server, either either, uh, accidental or naturally occurring computational errors during signature generation can be observed and exploited to calculate the SSH uh, server's ideally secret private host key. Now, uh, so by naturally occurring errors, we mean errors caused by cosmic rays and other little glitches that flip bits. And by accidental, we mean poorly implemented RSA signature generator algorithms. Now, you'd think the former would occur so rarely that no one would be able to take advantage of it realistically. And the latter would already be known about. But we assured you that if you monitor enough SSH connections to a vulnerable SSH server, you'll eventually see one you can exploit. That's it. You know, that, that's, that is uh, kind of interesting, but it's important to state here that the software libraries like OpenSSL and LibreSSL and thus OpenSSH are not known to be vulnerable to the aforementioned key deduction method. That means, in our view, the vast majority of the devices, servers, and other equipment on the internet are not at risk, and what you're left with is uh, some Internet of Things and similar embedded gear susceptible to attack. It also only affects RSA keys, so we don't really know how many things it affects, but... Um, it is, but it is, it, it, I mean, this is, this kind of thing is actually a, I, I look at this as I'm sitting here reading this story, I'm going, well, um, you know, the, the, first, this is largely theoretical, this is a largely theoretical thing that can occur. You have to be able to get into a, sp- to the right place in the network to be able to see the traffic. And, and, and so there's a, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the things have to be lined up correctly. And then even then it's, you know, as, as it says in the story, right, using the, using the lattice uh, key recovery technique, the academics said that more, more than 4,900 of those flawed key signatures revealed the factorization of the corresponding RSA public key, which they used to derive the private RSA keys to 189 of those public keys. So you're still talking about, um, you know, you're, you know, again, you're, you know, the, 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 the risk is actually kind of small, right? Even if you are using one of these things and you happen to be in the right place in the network. And by the way, if you happen to be in that right place in the network, yeah, you might have some, uh, you know, the, you probably got some bigger issues to worry about than, than just this problem. So. I think you need to tell the listeners what you're talking about, though, as far as what RSAs are and what... Um, the um, other yeah. thing. Okay, is. so so R. Okay, so RSA. The way, so the way that RSA works, right? Is there there is what they call a public and a private key. Now, if you if you in and I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of blow your mind with a mathematical thing here. And effectively, what happens is is that when you when you multiply the public and private key together, you effectively get. Um, you effectively get one or the identity, right? Which is which. So if you take a message, so if I take a message and I multiply it by the private key, 
which I, you know, and then I send, and then I send it to you, right? And then you multiply it by my public key. You will see that the message came from me, right? And then, and then that that's kind of how it. That's kind of how the decry- encryption and decryption works. It's, it's that's pretty wild. Yes. So so explain SSH. So SSH is like SSH is a tool that the dude. It's called Secure Shell. It's a it's a it's a, it's a tool that. Dude's name Ben used to log into uh, uh, two machines that are not currently the one they are sitting in front of. So um, that's that, that's it, it's just it's a, it's a tool that a lot of things it's, it's a tool that a lot of dudes named Ben use. So they, they they know they know what SSH is. I can assure you. Okay, uh, but we don't just have dudes named Ben as our listeners. So it, it's nice to define the acronyms that you're using so that they can have yeah. a better understanding like you do for me. Yes, I was. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're prompting me to add to, to those questions, but the bottom line is these kinds, I mean, these kinds of things happen and this is, and you know, they make the news, right? But the reality is, okay, if you, if you're using one of these devices, yeah, you probably, sh- you know, okay, you should probably like get a, get a new one or something or, or, or update the software on it. So it doesn't have that issue. But, um, the, the you know, there, and there's happens with a lot of these theoretical attacks. Now, sometimes at some point, those could be you, you pair that with other things that could become a bigger problem so yeah you want to get them fixed but you know it's just like what and what's the risk of this okay there's a you know a few of the key a few of the connections might have a uh, something that might that might be picked up if you happen to be in the right place in the network it's not a um it's not something that you might go out necessarily i don't know uh, it depends on what depends on what you're doing though but it's not something that most people need to worry about this is you know these kinds of things come up all the time and it's you know obviously when they're you know when they're if, if main Mainstream platforms are getting targeted. Then, yeah, you might want to do something a little bit quicker. But, uh, but yeah, this is. But it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, the right, you know, stand on your right leg and, and and wave your wave your left nut or something. I don't know. Um, but um, can we? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, can, but can, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> this next story has me waving the flag of laugh. <laughs> Now, it's widely accepted wisdom, has it, uh, that, that electric vehicles are easier to maintain than those with internal combustion powertrains. I can say that my, uh, my Prius is a lot easier to maintain than, than, than uh, but that's, but, uh, you know, and of course it seems intuitive because EVs have many fewer moving parts than cars that have to de- de- detonate small quantities of hydrocarbon fuel uh, thousands of times a minute. But the data doesn't really bear out the idea. In fact, according to data collected by Consumer Reports, uh, EVs are significantly less reliable than conventionally powered cars. Now, uh, Consumer Reports is known for buying cars for its own test fleet, but for its annual auto reliability survey, the organization cast a wider net. Uh, Specifically, it gathered data from 330,000 owners of vehicles, by the way, nice use of 33 there, from uh, model year 2000 onwards, and it it uses that survey data to generate reliability scores for each vehicle in model year. Now, the results are a little inconvenient for the electric, for the electric vehicle evangelists. Electric vehicles had 79% more reliability problems than a gasoline or diesel powered vehicle on average. Plug-in hybrids fared even worse. These had 146% more issues on average than conventional alternative. But simpler not plug-in hybrids bucked this trend with 26% fewer reliability problems than conventionally powered vehicles. Now, um, there's PHEVs. I'm not exactly sure what those are, but I'm guessing it's all the, all the plug-in hybrid, you know, um, they, they also had the greatest number of potential trouble areas. Now, a conventionally powered car, truck, or, or SUV has 17 main problem areas, according to Consumer Reports, including minor stuff like trim rattling and more significant areas like the engine or transmission. Uh, 
PHEVs have all these plus electric motors, a high voltage traction battery, and charging to contend with. Now, hybrids have 19 potential areas, all of the above minus the charging problem, and EVs have just 12 since they go without things like internal combustion engines, fueling systems, or transmissions. Yes, if you want to be very pedantic, you could point out the Porsche Taken and the Audi e-tron GT have two speed transmissions, but no one will be impressed. Um, now, electric motors, charging, and battery problems uh, make up most of the EV reliability complaints, and those are charging problems with the car, not with the home or public charging hardware. The relative rawness of most electric vehicles on sale it, or the, 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 yeah, is a big factor in, in this, and Consumer Reports has some good advice for potential electric vehicle buyers. Do not get seduced by that launch edition vehicle. Um, now, electric vehicles are still in their uh, relative infancy as mainstream vehicles, so it's really not surprising that manufacturers, by and large, are still working out the kinks. That said, we are seeing significant signs of movement in the right direction. And as our data has consistently shown, reliability-minded consumers would be best served by foregoing brand new vehicles in the first model year, said Jake Fisher, Senior uh, Director of Auto Testing at Consumer Reports. Now, hybrids um, continue to surpass, uh, sur uh, surpass electric vehicles and ICE vehicles for reliability, even though hybrids are more complex with gas-powered engines supplemented by an electric vehicle system. This is because hybrid technology is now over 25 years old and is offered mainly from the most reliable automakers. Now, at first, uh, Consumer Reports data looks like it's in conflict with one of its earlier reports. In 2020, its data showed that electric vehicles and, uh, and PHEVs had lifetime maintenance costs that were about twice as cheap as for an internal combustion-powered engine. But Fisher noted that the earlier study was looking at the cost rather than reliability. Since the since EVs and PHEVs are most, mostly under warranty and EV powertrain warranties are typically much longer than regular powertrain warranties, many repairs did not cost the owners. Different brands had different reliability issues. Now, Tesla, for example, has reliability issues with the car's body, paint trim, and climate systems. Traditional automakers have reliability issues with their electric powertrains where, uh, where uh, Tesla's really good. Now, PHEVs are the worst of both worlds. Now, as an example, um, the conventionally powered Chrysler Pacific and minivan is one of uh, Consumer Reports' recommended picks this year based on its reliability, but the plug-in hybrid Pacifica is well below average thanks to plenty of problems with its hybrid driving, drive chain and charging system. Wow, that's a, that's a mouthful of, of that. Um, we've, but, been, we've been shitting on EVs from the get-go, and we're not going to stop. No. I mean, I, I know I heard about uh, over in the EU... They're just not selling them over there anymore. They're not shipping them, making them, whatever, because they're just not selling. And we've talked about the demand that is being put on the power grid system when the everyone has to be electric by like 2030 situation. It's just not it's not going to be good. It, it's literally going to be a a rolling bomb at that point you're going to have blackouts you're going to have more car fire they're just that you can just see you can just see there is a shit storm on the horizon with with these evs and the fact that they are attempting to jam them down our throats. Yeah, and people aren't buying them. It's just, it's. I mean, right now, the, with the economic situation, what it is, it's like it, the, the, it costs more. And even with all the incentives, people still can't afford it. Exactly. Yeah. So they, I should tell they, you they're something. They're just, you know, the thing is that much like 
you know, the, the pay now or pay later thing, the only people who are going to be allowed to have anything are the fucking oligarchs and the Richie Riches. That's why we all just need to move to Montana. I might be moving to Montana soon. Yeah, a federal judge has stopped a, a, a U.S. state's landmark ban on TikTok from going into effect. An important test case for the widespread political backlash that has grown in the country against the Chinese-owned video sharing app. Montana's Senate Bill 419, which was signed by the state's Republican Governor Greg G, uh, Gianforte in May, would have gone into effect in January and imposed a ban on downloads of the app. On Thursday, Judge Donald Malloy granted TikTok's request for a preliminary injunction after the ByteDance-owned app challenged the legislation in court, denouncing it as an unconstitutional infringement of its rights. Now, some users of the app also joined the legal challenge. Now, while the law would only have applied to Montana, a western state with a population of just 1.1 million, the case had reflected a broader global debate around security concerns with the app, which has drawn attention from governments and regulators concerned that TikTok's ties to China may allow it to harvest user data for S espionage purposes now yeah a number of states have restricted downloads at, on on, the, on of the of the app on devices used by government employees but montana was the first to ban downloads for all residents the montana bill also cites tiktok's failure to remove dangerous content for minors as justification for a ban now groups including the reporters committee for freedom of the press and the chamber of progress filed briefs in support of tiktok in the case while a virginia-led group of 18 states threw its support behind montana to win a preliminary and Injunction, uh, the plaintiff must show that its case has an overall likelihood of success. The judge concluded that TikTok had done so. Despite the state's attempt to defend SB 419 as a consumer protection bill, the current record leaves little doubt that Montana's legislator and attorney general were more interested in targeting China's ostensible role in TikTok than with protecting Montana's consumers, Malloy wrote. Now, TikTok argued that the law restricts the First Amendment rights of the people of Montana by denying them an important channel of communication. The judge concluded that the bill was not narrowly tailored enough, effectively amounting to overreach by the legislator, which must justify such measures on the grounds of an important governmental interest. Now, first, the law's foreign policy purpose is not an important Montana state interest, and another state law already shields the protection of children online, he noted. Now, um, SB 419 completely bans TikTok in Montana. It does not limit the application in a targeted way with the purpose of attacking the perceived Chinese problem. In a statement, the, the, a spokesperson for the Montana Attorney General said that, in, in, that in, an, in, in an injunction would only apply while the court considered the full merits of the case. Now, we look forward to presenting the complete legal argument to defend the law that protects Montanans from the Chinese Communist Party obtaining and using their data, said Emily Cantrell. Couldn't that be considered prejudice possibly um a, a, a tiktok spokesperson said we're <coughs> we are pleased the judge re rejected this unconstitutional law and hundreds of thousands of montanans can continue to express themselves in a living fine community on tiktok oh my god you're literally going to make me wear it out <coughs> bullshit this is such this a is a scam yes Thank you. It is such a crock of shit. All right. Well, how about we move on to the junk drawer? Humanity was incapable of solving even its most basic problems, like garbage, which had been stacked for centuries. No more war pigs of the power. 
Yes. Uh, thank you, Ozzy Osbourne. Now, fans of fear-mongering classics such as Murder Hornets, Monkey Box, and Take This Experimental Vaccine and You'll Kill Grandma will love this one. So according to new reports, a population of badass super pigs is about to descend from North America from Canada, prompting northern U.S. states such as Montana, Minnesota, and North Dakota to take measures against the invasion. The wild pigs currently roaming Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba are often crossbreeds that combine the survival skills of wild Eurasian boars with the size and fertility of domestic swine to create a so-called super pigs that, that one expert called the most invasive animal on the planet and an ecological train wreck, according to CBX News. Uh, I think I have, to, I have to write something down about uh, what was something about super pigs. I don't know. Maybe super pigs. Might super be. pigs would be a, a good title. So I know you're all thinking, what caused this? Well, according to the report, Canadian farmers just cut pigs loose after the market collapse in 2001. And the pigs persevered. And with the strong surviving harsh Canadian winters and the weak dying off, the result was highly destructive packs of pigs. They're roaming around, eating anything, including crops and wildlife. They tear up land when they root for bugs and crops. They can spread devastating disease to hog farms like African swine fever. And they reproduce quickly. A sow can have six piglets in a litter and raise two litters in a year. That means 65% or more of a wild pig population could be killed every year and it would still increase, according to Brooke. Now, hunting just makes the problem worse. The success rate for hunters is only about two to three percent and several states have banned hunting because it makes the pigs more worry wary and nocturnal which makes them tougher to track down and eradicate now wild pigs already cause about two and a half billion of worth of damage in u.s crops every year mostly in southern states like texas and they can be aggressive toward humans there was a woman in texas that was killed by wild pigs in 2019 according to cps news now, the feral pigs that are already in the U.S. have caused some $100 million in property damage in Texas, where lawmakers have authorized hot air balloon hunts to eradicate the porcine menace. Ryan Brook, a professor at the University of Saskatchewan and one of Canada's leading authorities on the problem, has documented 62,000 wild pig sightings in Canada and has seen them on both sides of the Canadian-North Dakota border. Nobody should be surprised when pigs start walking across the border if they haven't already, said Brooke. The question is, what will be done about it? The only path forward is to be really aggressive and use all the tools in your toolbox. Myrtleize them! Option for eradication includes guns, traps such as the boar buster, and nets fired from helicopters. Well, looks like bacon's on the menu, boys. Eat up. I'm sure. That, I'm sure that will be. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. Uh, you know, it they- would be interesting to see what wild hog bacon would taste like. I would be really concerned about the deep gamey taste in it. Yeah. Well, we'll have to. We'll. We'll just have. Maybe we'll find out someday. I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody out there already knows, fucking degenerates. Y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. Yep, that's it. We know what's important to y'all. Money, 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 money. 
Now, Apple has repeatedly trumpeted the success of its financial services, a product a lineup that now encompasses the Apple cr- Card credit card, high interest uh, savings accounts, and a buy now, pay later service called Apple Pay Later. Yeah, actually, the uh, that was actually one of the cards I had. I had. I had. Actually, was, I had applied for an at the beginning of this process. I applied for an Apple card, and so it, it is. You know, it's this been, fucking card is metal. Yes, it's it's and, and it's it's white. It's like it, yeah, it's like it, anyway. it is truly the card of elite people. Yes. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal reports that Apple has sent Goldman Sachs a proposal that will end their partnership within the next 12 to 15 months, leaving Apple to find a new backer for its financial products. In a statement to CNBC, Apple neither confirmed nor denied that it would be parting ways with Goldman Sachs, but reiterated its support for the Apple card and its other services. Well, sounds like a lot of PR cover up. Yeah, sounds like it to me. Uh, Meanwhile, well, meanwhile, more money bullshit. Cause I'm the tax man Yeah, I'm the tax man So uh, Google has agreed to pay Canadian news businesses $100 million a year to comply with the country's Online News Act, despite previously saying it would remove Canadian news links from search rather than make the required payments. Google will contribute $100 million in financial support annually, indexed to inflation for a wide range of news business across the country, including independent news businesses and those from indigenous and official language minority um, co- communities. Uh, Minister of Canadian Heritage Pascal St. Ong said in a statement today, the $100 million in Canadian currency is worth about $74 million in U.S. currency. Before today's deal, the federal government estimated that Google would have had to pay $172 million a year. That's uh, yeah, I, that's I, insane. That is insane. I agree with that. Uh, but uh, what's insane is that this is still- no. Th- this is hilarious. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Yes. Uh, so um, apparently, there is actually a lawsuit uh, advocating for the restoring the name of the uh, Redskins to the National Football League's uh, Washington uh, team. Uh, I still call, even though they're, they're called the Commanders now, I, I think I still call them Washington, Washington the, the, the football, football team. team. Yes. WTF? That's right. And that, by the way, I, that, I got that one directly from a Skins fan. So um, I can. Here's the thing. I I actually know a little bit about this story because I've kind of from a distance been following it. I completely support the Native Americans. And yep, that's what I'm calling them. I'm not fucking calling them indigenous. Fuck you. Okay. I completely support the Native American people who are standing up and saying, you know what? We're the people who you're claiming are offended. And we're telling you we're not fucking offended. Put it back the way it was. Stop being so woke. Stop being such fucking cunts. Exactly. So I just, yeah, but I, 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 that was, I thought the perfect clip for this, uh, uh, for that. It was, it was complete. God damn mute button. Yeah. It was completely the right clip. I, I, you know what I, but I think, uh, I think we're kind of to this point in the show here. So fucking over this. I've fucking enjoyed every minute of it. That's right. So with that, uh, we are going to end this bitch. And yeah, and that ending goes something like this. Jordan fades back, swoosh, and that's the game! Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out! You're still here? It's over. Go home.
Go. Back to the shadows again. Let's quit the swearing.